Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Jason Inman. Now I know what you're saying to yourself. Hey, Jason, 2023 is Superman year. And this week you promised us an episode on Superman Blue. Well, first off, I'm sorry. But second, I just have to say that our uh, some problems got into our schedule. I don't know what some problems got into our schedule means, but let's just say, you know, Ashley and I had some complications developing some lessons in in the real world. So we have to put the Superman Blue episode on pause. We will do it, but we didn't want to leave you hanging, especially with midterms for the Mind University coming up. And also especially with uh, the new Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania movie hit in town very, very soon. So instead, we thought we would feature you and gift to you a new mega episode. This episode is going to feature two retro geek history lessons from the far back days of 2015. We're going to give you Scott Lang Ant-Man and Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. That's right. So you can have a perfect primer for quantum mania, study mania, as I call it, before Kang comes aside and slaps you in the face and breaks our entire multiversal madness heads apart. So uh, enjoy part one of past Jason and Ashley from 2015. Enjoy part two of past Jason and Ashley from 2015, talking about Janet Van Dyne, part one's Ant-Man, part two, the Wasp. And also, you're going to want to stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be talking about a character that might be a big deal in 2023, Mr. Kang himself. That's right. Mr. Kang, as I'm calling him. So that's next week's episode. And then we'll get to Superman Blue eventually, probably before the end of the month. Don't worry about that. Uh, did I mention that we're also going to do Cassie Lang's stature? Scott Lang's daughter soon? Yeah. Ash is going to be teaching that one. It's going to be a good one. So stay tuned for that. Until then, please enjoy past Jason and past Ashley talking about a little bit of Ant-Man and a little bit of Wasp. Take it away, past uses. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm Jason. I'm not an invertebrate inman. Welcome to your <laughs> mind university, the place where you come to learn because this is Geek History Lesson, the podcast where we take one character from pop culture, storytelling, or just weird random bathroom walls and we tell you everything that you need <laughs> to know about them that you need to go 
to talk about them in the future? I don't know where that went. Figure out why they were on the bathroom wall in the first place. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) And today's subject is? Today's subject is one of the Ant-Men. Ooh. One who? of a myriad. Who? Scott, Tell us who. Scott Lang. <laughs> because we found out in the intro that there are three of them. We did, but I think we said Scott Lang. In yeah, the yeah. Intro. Scott Lang. Yes, the current star of the Marvel's Ant Man movie. Yes. Ant Man for quite a while. Not the first Ant Man, the second Ant Man after Hank Pym. And we're going to learn all about him. So let's just jump right into this podcast in the first section for the 10 Cent Origin. That mm-hmm. is where we very quickly give you a Cliff Notes version of this character. So you can go to Super Cool Comic Con slash VidCon slash Kamikaze slash New York Comic Con parties and talk about Scott Lang. <laughs> Ashley, begin the Tencent origin of Scott Lang, Ant-Man. The Tencent origin is that his full name is Scott Edward Harris Lang. Harris? Yeah. Okay. That's a heck of a name. Like Ed uh, Harris. Colloquially, sure. <laughs> colloquially, colloquially known as Scott Lang. He is the second Ant-Man, as Jason said. Uh-huh. His first appearance as Scott Lang was in Avengers number 181 in March of 1979. All right. And his first appearance as Ant-Man was in Marvel premiere number 41 in April of 1979, the next month. Okay. So, I didn't know that Scott Lang was that old. Was that old? Yeah, it blew my. I was like the seventies. Scott you, Lang's an old man. Are you off by, by the old man superhero that we're talking about here? Is I that am. What you're saying? Well, you're like, oh, he's not as cool anymore. No, oh, he's kind of old. He's kind of old. Okay. Like yeah. No, I was just. I thought that was super interesting. That's right, people listening to the podcast. Ashley thinks that people born in the seventies are old. Only in nineteen seventy nine. If you were born in nineteen seventy nine. You're old. What about 1978? Are no. they old then? No, they're not old. They're quite young. Yes. Just they're young and dapper. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just All right. 1979. Good to know. Good to know. Let's move on. <laughs> he was created by David Michelini? 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 Michelini. Michelini, who uh, wrote under the pseudonym Barry Jameson mm-hmm. and John Byrne. Ah. Famous Superman, Wonder Woman dude, yep. John Byrne. And Fantastic Four. And Fantastic Four. His team, we should go Marvel. His team affiliations have been the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Heroes for Hire, Defenders, and the Future Foundation, which mm-hmm. is kind of the same as the Fantastic Four. Yeah, they're different. His abilities include, he's an electronics expert. Yes, he is. And uh, with the suit, he has size manipulation and insect telepathy. Yeah. Nothing else telepathy. Just insect. Well, yeah, it doesn't work on ladies. No. Just insects. I bet he wished it does because he's divorced. Mm Mm-hmm. He is the father of... Oh, that's kind of cruel. Okay. <laughs> well, he is. All right, it's all right, a big all right. plot point. Yep, all right. And he's got like four girlfriends. <laughs> but he has a lot of ants. And many female and many queens. Yep. Scott is loved by the queens. And two names, Sally and Thelma. Gross. Is that a joke? No, A-U-N-T-S. Ants. Aunts. Ants. Uh, Get it? Get it? Sally and Thelma? Never mind. Keep moving on. (laughs) (laughs) He's the father to Cassie Lang, who becomes a superhero stature, who is a founding member of the Young Avengers. We'll learn more about her later. And he, uh, as Jason mentioned at the top of the show, is being famously played by Paul Rudd in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, okay. Paul Rudd. Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, so that is your Tencent origin. Why don't we move on to the meat cute? Yay, the meat cute. Tell us what it is. Now, the meat cute is a term that we stole from romantic comedies where we tell where we first met this character. Ashley, since this is your podcast, mm-hmm. where did you first meet Scott Lang, Ant-Man 2? I first, I own this podcast. I first met Ant-Man 2, or Ant-Man Squared, as I will call him from now on. Well, that would mean that he's double. Yeah. 
He's okay. twice the Ant Man that Hank Pym was. <laughs> sure. Well, that's a bold claim. We'll see at the end of this. We'll see at the end of this podcast if that's true. It's a, it's going to be a much shorter lesson than if it was a Hank Pym lesson. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I read the Young Avengers: The Children's Crusade for the first time and Matt Fraction's FF run uh-huh. in the same year. Mm-hmm. Now, now in his FF run, uh, Scott Lang is in charge of the Future Foundation, yes. the school of the Fantastic Four. If you do not know what that is, and more on that later. And in Young Avengers, what was he doing? Uh, mostly getting resurrected from the dead oh wow we are spoiling a lot of this podcast already okay <laughs> yeah um so i don't know which one of those i read first mm-hmm. but it was definitely one of those two books so not an ant-man book was where i first met mm-hmm. the second ant-man mm-hmm. uh jason where did you first meet scott lang ant-man uh, squared i don't know the exact issue but I do know that it was somewhere around fantastic four number 400 mm-hmm. now somewhere in that time frame at the time, Reed Richards was dead. Yes. Uh, he was long gone. Dr. Doom was dead. And it was Sue Storm and Johnny and Thing. And they got in, brought in a couple ancillary members and they became the Fantastic Four. Now, one of those members was in the classic Ant-Man suit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have always known who Hank Pym was. I kind of knew who that was. And in one of the issues, the Ant-Man took off his helmet and he was a ginger. Oh, no. And I was like, Hank Pym's not a ginger. Because, spoiler alert, which you, if you only know the MCU, uh, Scott Lang has red hair. Yeah, Scott Lang's a ginger. <laughs> and and that's how I figured out who Scott Lang was. Now, he wasn't a permanent member of the Fantastic Four. Like It was kind of like they brought him in for a couple missions and were like, you're not good enough to put a four on your chest, buddy. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny that he is um, later on becomes basically a, the leader of the Fantastic Spoilers, Four. Spoilers, he's on the Fantastic Four like six times. Yes. It's a thing that happens. Scott Lang, interestingly enough, the Fantastic Four, for only being a foursome, does this weird thing where they'll pull people in, and Spider-Man's one of them. Yes. Also, She-Hulk is one of them. Yes. And they're sort of like honorary members of the Fantastic Four at any time. Like well, it, they're like auxiliary Avengers. Exactly. Like, And so the Fantastic Four can basically pull them in. They can replace one of the four and boom, it's like nothing ever happened. Yeah, like if someone's randomly lost yeah. in the negative zone. Like there are actually really 18 members of the Fantastic Four. And, <laughs> the Fantastic 18. Yeah. And, and let listeners know, we have a massive Fantastic Four episode coming up. I am currently... I don't even know if I'd, I would call it an arc. I don't oh, even know man. if I'd call it an episode. I'm doing research for that right now and yeah, I I, I went through the list of everybody that's been a Fantastic Four member, and it is crazy. Oh, my God. Can we have, like, bonus content where you just read the list? Uh, that will actually be the Tencent origin. Awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. excited. It's a long Tencent origin. But we're talking about Ant-Man We're today. going back to Scott Lang. So that, uh, <laughs> in somewhere around issue 400 of Fantastic Four. Cool. That's where I met Scott Lang. Great. Uh, shall we move on to the History 101? Yes, the History 101 is the main meat of the lesson where Professor Ashley herself will read to us from the tomes of Scott Lang and reveal his secrets and his origins and his base roots. We haven't had uh, Lord Carlton on in a long time. Uh, Lord Carlton down here. Lord Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke from our pilot episode, folks. <laughs> Go find it on Stitcher and iTunes. This do. is quite a silly episode. It's like somebody let in the shrinking gas, the pen particles. Uh, the shrinking gas, really? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's cool. That's kind of appropriate for Ant-Man, though. All right, Scott Lang. I'm curious about the History 101 because, to be honest with you, I don't know much about Scott Lang. Uh, I knew more than I thought I did, okay, as cool. it turns out. Scott Lang was born in Coral Gables, Florida. 
which is a real place in Florida, in Miami-Dade Miami Dade County, and is southwest of downtown Miami. Okay. Which lets you know that he's a crazy person, because all crazy people come from Florida. Mm-hmm. He, uh, th- there's nothing about his childhood anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the super heroics is the important part. Yes. Uh, so as an adult, he, works at, he worked as an electronics expert, but failed to support his family, which, point of fact, even in the 70s, I'm pretty sure, like... You know, repairing VCRs and on upkeeping computers and building circuitry. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a decent job. Now, you could, he was an electronic. So he was good at electronics. He wasn't a because you kind of described an electronics repairman. I thought he was an electrical engineer. Well, the way they they depict this very first story, like he's he is he mm-hmm. he has the intelligence and skill to be an electrical engineer, but, but he doesn't have the degree. He doesn't. He's okay, not okay, trained, okay. and so he's kind of working as like a rinky dink. Mm. No, that's that's not the right word, but he's he's you know working yeah. class Joe fixing stuff for you know. But so okay, okay. for whatever reason, even though he's an electronics well, expert, like can't support mo- like his most Marvel heroes, not living up to his full potential. Yes, that's a common theme in Stanley's uh, universe. So, what do you do if you can't support your family as an electronics expert? You uh, turn to burglary. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he knows your friend, the Black Fox. Oh yes. <laughs> So he's promptly caught. So he's not a good burglar. So his first time out, caught. I think like third time out. Oh, okay. You got a, you got two tries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, and, all right, all right. and the police, you know, like put the spotlight on him, and we freeze framed on his, him like deer in the headlights. And we're all imagining that Michael Pena was there too. Uh, yeah, telling mm-hmm. the story, and everyone's lip syncing to yep, him. Yep. <laughs> he is sent to prison. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I don't know if this is your first offense. Do you go all the way to prison? For burglary? Depends on how severe the crime is. Like, uh, Also, like how much you stole. Okay. If the monetary value is high enough, yes. Wow. I thought that seemed really extreme. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it, it, I mean, if you steal something, like, I would say probably over... Like a work of art? Uh, if you steal something, I would say over a monetary value of 10000 or more, you're going to prison. Wow. Shit. Yeah. So, he went to prison. He served three years and was let out early and paroled on good behavior. Cool. Good for Scott Lang. Very similar to the movie. While he was in prison, he did additional studies. He got a degree. Okay. Um, which I great, great story point. Yep. Um, in technology and computer sciences, and upon his release, he was hired by Stark Industries cool. to work in their design department. Oh, we know a little person that runs that place. Yeah. Do you want to tell us who? He's named Tony Stark. His name's Iron Man. Tony Tiger. Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger Stark. He, uh, Iron Man. Um, Robert and, Downey Jr. And fun fact, yep. one of his first jobs working for Stark Industries was to install a new security system in Avengers Mansion alongside Tony Stark. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. However, Uh-oh. we have some good stuff. But Scott returned to burglary because Damn his it, daughter Scott. Cassie became terminally ill. Oh, very similar to the Sandman storyline from Almost Spider-Man. Almost identical, mm-hmm, I would say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which came, I don't know, 10 years before this? I don't, I'm not certain. I'm not certain. I w- I'm not going to put my foot down in the sand. I'm not certain which one came first. Uh, probably Spider-Man. <laughs> However, uh, the first one of the first places that Scott decides to break into when he returns to burglary is Hank Pym's house. He gets in there and he's like, that bug suit's pretty cool looking. I'ma take it. I'ma take it. So he takes it. Okay. Uh, figures out the shrinking, growing thing. And his first outing as Ant-Man is to break into cross-technological enterprises. Okay. Uh, which, if you've seen the movie, may be familiar to you. Darren Cross, yes. And the reason that he breaks into cross-technological 
cross technological enterprises is because he is looking for Dr. Erica Sondheim. Sondheim, like the composer. Yeah, I was going to say, like Stephen Sondheim? Yes. Uh, his, his famous comic book daughter. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and the reason that he's looking for Dr. Sondheim is because she's the only doctor in the whole world capable of saving Cassie. Why? Not Reed Richards. Because not Hank Pym, no, no. not Doctor Tony Stark, no, not Doctor Doom, <laughs> Doctor Doom. Un- well, Doctor Doom is powerful, I, and he's also a real doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this unsuperpowered science chick, which feels slightly feminist, except I don't think it's supposed to be. Let's just move on. Let's let's crawl past that. So Doctor Sondheim, of course, when he finds her, is being held captain by Darren Cross. <gasps> no, um, and so Scott Lang, the first adversary he ever faces is Darren Cross. Interesting. Which I think is an interesting idea because Darren Cross is the big bad of uh, the, the Ant Man movie. movie. So even though Darren Cross is a very minor character in the Marvel Comics continuity, I thought that was a nice throwback and like, oh, I, I like that they, st- about they that. stole his name. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, yeah. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, So, of course, Scott saves her. You know, he does pretty good on his first outing as Ant-Man. Cassie is saved. uh, And we never hear from him again. Lesson over. Darren. No. Ant-Man. That was a joke. Oh. Kidding. Um, Obviously. He's not done. No. Scott's like, you know what? I did a good thing and I saved my daughter and I beat the shit out of this bad guy. So, I'm going to take this bug suit back. So, he breaks back into Hank Pym's house. He gives it back to Hank to steal it He tries to give it back to Hank. Okay. And does Hank... And Hank's like, well... I mean, you did a bad thing, but your motives were good and you were motivated by love. So you can keep my Ant-Man suit because I'm working on this yellow jacket thing because I'm pretty angry. Oh, this was during the crazy this is, times. This, this ah. is yeah, we're, we're just pre-yellow jacket right now. Okay. His only caveat to giving Scott the suit is that he has to use it to uphold the law. Can't use it for any more burglary nonsense. All right. And Scott's like, mm, I like that burglary nonsense. Though. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'll take that, and I'll take some pin particles. Your Scott Lang is very <laughs> apathetic. He's just like, um, okay, I guess I'll save my daughter. I re- oh my uh, god, I punched my mic. She literally just punched her mic. I'm really enthused. I actually really <laughs> like Scott Lang, but to me, he's like he's such a lackadaisical, accidental superhero that he's like, I guess <laughs> accidental <laughs> Superman. I like that. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> 
So in the beginning of Scott's tenure as Ant-Man, he basically just makes a, mu- a bunch of random appearances to back up Iron Man because mm-hmm. he works for Tony Stark and Iron Man. And so he probably every- knows his schedule. Yeah. He's his, he's his personal assistant. He's making all the calls yep. and everything, mm-hmm. getting his coffee. Mm-hmm. So whenever the Avengers are like, uh, Tony, can you do this thing? And he's like, yeah. Uh, hey, Scott. I'm going to delegate. Can you do this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Scott will just like do it. <laughs> Delegating super rogues. Yeah, I, I, that cat in a tree, that's uh, beneath me. Go do that, Scott. Including a story where he has to save Tony Stark from being trapped inside the Iron Man armor because he's an electronics expert. The 80s. How did Tony delegate that? <laughs> well, he, he took out his 1980s gold brick cell phone and he's like, oh, no, no, we're pre cell phones here. I'm sorry. So he hit his little Avengers communicator because almost immediately Scott's made an auxiliary Avenger because Iron Man vouches for him. Mm hmm. And he's like, you know, he's on his little co- little communicator that calls a little watch of the card or whatever. And he's like, Scott, I'm stuck. Well, Help. it's not because like Iron Man vouched for him. It's because literally Scott could lock all the doors and never open them again in all the doors of Avengers Mansion. Yes, because he installed the security and, system. And believe me, you do not want to get between an Asgardian or... Any kind of a Hulk in the bathroom. <laughs> Gross. Yep. We're actually going to talk about um, oh, we're gonna get to the, the, bathroom? Hulk's, the Hulk's oh, medical okay. problems uh, later on in the lesson. Ah, foreshadowing. <laughs> Not very subtle foreshadowing. <laughs> so like I mentioned before, uh, when Scott takes on the persona of Ant-Man permanently, we see Hank Pym come out as Yellow Jacket. And on one occasion, they even team up to save Janet Van Dyme. Yeah, the loss. That's one of the, the early loss. adventures before Yellow Jacket becomes a fucking crazy person. Because mm-hmm. that's basically all that you need to know about Yellow Jacket. There's a free geek history lesson on Yellow Jacket. He's Hank Pym and he's crazy. He's crazy. So Scott spends, like I said, most of his early time basically as a freelance superhero, and he teams up not only with the Avengers. They're his main, you know, his main calling. But he eventually there's homies. There, yeah, and yeah, yeah. he will eventually become a full fledged member. We'll get to that. Okay. But he also teams up with uh, Spider Man. Cool. Jim Rhodes? Uh, you, you know who Jim Rhodes is, right? Iron Man? War Machine? Also <laughs> Iron Man 2? Yes. So it's neat that... Rhodey? Ant- it's neat that Ant-Man 2 teamed up with Iron Man 2. And 1. Yep. Uh, he crosses over with Rom Space Knight. <gasps> Rom the Space Knight? And Alpha Flight. Oh, let's go back to Rom Space Just Knight. Just to name a few. <laughs> I could not find this issue, and I could not find... Um, a breakdown of like uh, any synopses, mm-hmm. but in all the sources that I checked, he teams up with Rom Space Knight. Oh, it's so, cool. so I want someone to find that issue. Oh man, and send it to me. Rom the Space Knight, if you don't know, is this really cool? I would is say, is it cool? Yes, a, he's a <laughs> he is a very obscure um, Marvel character in this in space. And I believe, and I, and I'm, again, I do not confirm me. So this from memory. Yeah, pulling it from memory. His rights are owned. He was a licensed comic book by Marvel, and his rights. Yes, are, because they, it was a toy. Yes, and his rights are owned by another company, which is the whole reason why we will never see Rom the Space Knight in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But you will always though, find Rom comics in the quarter bin. Even though James Gunn, apparently, yes, you will. Uh, James Gunn tried. Oh, really? He tried to get Rom in the first um, because Rom. Of the 70s and 80s, like Marvel cosmic comics, Rom the Space Knight is the most popular. So that's a neat that Scott Lang t- teamed up with him. He did. Yep. Um, so once they decided to actually do something with Scott Lang and not just make him this random dude tooling around. Random dude tooling around. Yeah. By the way, I just gave a song out there, and I want to say that I noticed one of our most recent iTunes reviews. Somebody was like, Jason's music is and singing is great. Yet ears, uh, um, mind scratching or mind numbing at the same time. 
and I don't know which way I go each time. Well, so at least two or three times a month, somebody will tweet West Coast Avengers dun 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 to me. Was uh, Scott Lang in the West Coast Avengers? So I don't believe so. Ah, oh, damn it. All right. Sorry. I can't do the theme song unless they were in it's it. It's mostly a Vision, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch we're, bag. We're getting so off track here. Right. So we're going down the wrong anthill. The wrong, the wrong anthill. <laughs> <laughs> That's a call back to last episode. Yep, so, so after he's done kind of tooling around being this weird freelance with Rom thing, the Space Knight, with Rom the Space, <laughs> when he comes back from his double date with Rom the Space Knight, oh yeah, uh, Scott is a big part of the Armor War storyline, which was oh, published yeah. between December of '87 and June of '88. So for about a year, by David Michelini, mm-hmm. uh, creator of mm-hmm. Scott Lang, mm-hmm. Bob Layton, with art by Mark D. Bright and Barry Windsor Smith. And he basically serves the purpose of helping Iron Man to discover who has copies of Stark technology plans and who's making these Iron Man suits. Yes, because that's that's the story of Armor Wars, is that Tony discovers that his technology has been leaked to the world and he wants it all back. Yes. And this is also a story that well, the current Secret Wars event has taken uh, inspiration from in one of their spinoff books. Oh, yeah. True. There is a Secret Wars Armor there, Wars. There yeah. is an Armor Wars mm-hmm. title. Uh, so as an as an auxiliary Avenger, because he's still not a real Avenger. He's <sighs> they don't trust him with Avenger. all the keys. No. <laughs> Just the ones that he can break into himself. Yep. Scott has teamed up a lot with Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And they spend a lot of time suppressing attacks from the Taskmaster, who's this character named Tony Masters, who... From all that I could tell through the reading that I did, basically has like electronic versions of like a bow and arrow and bugs people. Let's put a pause on this right here. <laughs> Are you saying you don't know who the Taskmaster is? I don't really know who the Taskmaster is. Oh my is. God. All right, listeners, here we go. <laughs> I didn't want to go down this rabbit oh, hole. No, we're going to go down this rabbit hole because Taskmaster uh, is such a cool character. Um, and he's re- actually, interestingly he's, enough. He's, isn't he a Deadpool villain for the most part? No, not really. He's um, he's more of this like kind of weird Avengers character. I would say he's the closest to Deathstroke in the DC universe. Deathstroke, the mercenary with oh, super really? speed that the Marvel universe has. Here's the thing: why you probably don't see him a lot, but he's actually become very kind of cult in mm-hmm. the last ten years. He has a skull face mask, and it basically looks like he's almost Skeletor. Yes, but he has a, he has a white cape and a blue, and he has like big pirate boots, and he has a big sword. He kind of looks like Doctor Doom. Uh, so not as machinery, but anyways, uh, the big skull face is that he looks like Skeletor, a little white Skeletor. He can look at somebody and duplicate their powers. Oh, I didn't know that. So if he sees Captain America do this amazing flip, mm-hmm. he can, as long as he sees it, he can duplicate it. And he, when, uh, one of his biggest roles recently was in Avengers, the initiative, he was brought in by the government to train the young heroes because he's impossible to beat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and, and he can give Captain America a fight for his money. But anyways, that's Taskmaster and Taskmaster actually is like, yeah, he is the death stroke of the Marvel. So that's why he's cool. Yes. But basically every time. He has a stupid costume, but he looks cool. Every time in the eighties, he shows up and the Avengers fight him. Scott and Clint have to like team up to do this, this fancy move where they shoot him on the air. They shoot tiny Ant-Man on the the arrow. Oh, the very famous cover. Yep. Describe that cover for our listeners. It's, uh, it's Hawkeye shooting an arrow and Ant-Man is standing on the tip of the arrow. Yep. Ant-Man is riding on the arrow. Um, but the and, perspective is where the arrow and Ant-Man are pointed towards you. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so that he can shrink and he can go and, you know, can go inside and ruin whatever technology is kind of going on. So their big their big deal as a, as a team is to fight the Taskmaster. Fun fact, there's Fun also fact. a really dumb subplot where he accidentally shrinks Spider-Man and can't bring him back to normal size. And there's some pretty funny pictures of that. That actually sounds pretty funny. Yeah, it is. It's totally Peter dumb and has no out. consequences. But if you're looking for a laugh, that's a good one to try and find cool. on the Internet. 
Um, and he te- starts teaming up with the Fantastic Four after this. Okay. Because uh, he's like, well, I was a part-time Avenger. I should be a part-time Fantastic Four person as well. Got it. And he was part of their first journey into the, quote, micro world. The end microverse. Quote. Micro world? The microverse. Well, the first time they did that, they went to one micro world okay. in the microverse. But it's the microverse. Micro world. Because that also creates. I read that issue. It's, it's microverse. It's microverse. micro world. It's microverse. In the movie, they may call it the quantum realm, but it is the microverse. Uh, and sh- it is patrolled by the micronauts. Yes, it is. I love micronauts. <laughs> I freaking love micronauts. Let's do an episode on that. Oh, that's so deep cut nerd. Uh as Jason mentioned earlier, <laughs> he even briefly replaced Reed Richards as a technical consultant when Reed was missing and presumed dead. Yep. Um, but of course, Reed is never dead. And during this time, Christoph Venard, who is... Yeah, I know who that is. Dr. Doom's heir. Dr. Doom's adoptive son. Yes, not his actual son. Uh, who dresses up in a costume exactly like Dr. Doom. But he is a citizen of Latveria that Doom saw like a lot of potential in, and mm-hmm. he's almost as smart as Dr. Doom. And But he's kind of good, so that's the reason why like the Fantastic Four has teamed up with him. Yes. yes. The important thing about the fact that Christoph is around is that he designs the new Ant-Man suit for Scott, so he gives Scott the first different costume from the original Ant-Man outfit. Oh, interesting. I didn't so, know that. Cool. Even though they they hate each other. Like Yo, Scott oh, yeah. hates him because he's, Scott's very protective of Valeria because mm-hmm. Valeria reminds him of Cassie and Christoph kind of like is un- very friendly towards Cassie mm-hmm. uh, or Valeria. Boy, so right. that. And in a later story, uh, in a later story, Scott temporarily forms a new Fantastic Four team with the Human Torch, She-Hulk, and Namorita. Namorita, when which is Namor's cousin. Yes, his Spanish cousin. And she's blue. When, really? I oh, she so. is. Yeah. When Sue, Reed, and Ben are trapped in the negative zone, uh, which makes me wonder where Matt Fraction took inspiration for his run from. Hey. <laughs> More yeah. on that to come. All right. Uh, so remember when we talked about the Hulk earlier? Now we're going to talk about the Hulk again. Oh, okay. Ant-Man so, bathroom adventure. Here we go. There's this really weird, I think it's a Fantastic Four storyline, okay. where the Hulk is suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease, which is now known as ALS. Okay. Just go with me, okay? All right. So Scott has to shrink down to microscopic size and rearrange Hank, uh, Hank's, the Hulk's DNA. Bruce's, yep. Um, and he takes the bad DNA out and replaces it with DNA from... Bruce Banner's dead father um, to make to, to cure him of Luke Gehrig's disease because there's no cure. And he does this while Reed Richards is like in his ear on a radio telling him what to do. And then the Hulk doesn't have ALS anymore. Yay, comics. People of Earth. <laughs> we have. I will find you. We have now <laughs> discovered the cure for all diseases. I cannot believe. Take <laughs> take out the DNA and put in the new DNA. This has been in a comic book for years and nobody's done this since. George Clooney and ER lied to me. That is pretty stupid. I'm sorry. That's probably, other than shrinking Spider-Man, that's probably the stupidest thing we're going to talk that's about. That's pretty ridiculous. Take yeah. out the DNA. Put in necrotic DNA. Yes. Yeah, because okay. you know you can you can just mix DNA of 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 someone who's currently alive. Hey, it worked in Jurassic World. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, during this time, Scott's ex-wife, whose name is Peggy Ray, uh, Not, she divorced mm-hmm. him. She got full custody of Cassie, 
And Scott was like, well, I don't have custody of my kid anymore, so I literally have nothing to do, so I'm going to become a full-time Avenger. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish he'd become a burglar again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instead of just being a, a reserve member, he becomes uh-huh. a grown-up Avenger. And the important thing to know about when this happens is he clashes with this character named Jack of Hearts. Oh, who we're you in the may J- remember from our She-Hulk lesson. Um, we are now in the Jeff Johns Avengers run. Yes, we are. Yep. Um, and what I said in the She-Hulk lesson was the thing you need to know about Jack of Hearts is that he can absorb radiation. And then friend of the show, Dre Lopez, said to me, the thing you need to know about Jack of Hearts is that he explodes. Remember that. It's yep. going to be important. Yep. Uh, he goes on, Scott goes on to appear in Brian Michael Bendis' Alias series because he's dating Jessica Jones. That's true. I forgot which, about that. And I didn't know that because I've never yeah. read that series. Makes me wonder if Paul Rudd will make a cameo appearance in the Netflix series. Uh, probably not. But not as her boy. But wouldn't it be great if he was just in a scene, like if they were awkwardly leaving a date or something? Um, like just half a scene. It would. I think if that was going to happen, we would have heard of it now. It, okay, it could. And they're keeping it really secret. But I have a feeling it's not going to happen. Well, I think it'd be cool if it happened. I would love if it happened. That'd be really cool. Um, and he does he does interact with the Purple Man, but that's going down that road. Who is Jessica Jones' villain. Well, big, we, big villain. We will do a Jessica Jones episode Closer when, to the when Jessica Jones comes out. And we'll talk more about mm-hmm. that. The important thing to know is that he dated Jessica Jones for like a minute. Yeah, like a, like a couple issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so then, Jack of Hearts, right? We just talked about him. He explodes. So Jack of Hearts, or... Jack of Hearts, who's actually a zombie being controlled by Scarlet Witch, as it D- turns during out. During the storyline, Avengers Disassembled. Yes, at the, right, at Brian, the be- right at the beginning. Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Uh, blows himself up. Yep. And destroys part of the Avengers mansion and kills Scott Lang at the same time. Yep. Scott Lang is now dead. If you want to know more about Avengers Disassembled, you can go and listen to our Scarlet Witch episode. Yeah, we talked about it a lot, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we did, because it was yep. all about the Scarlet Witch. You can pause this podcast right now, go to iTunes or Stitcher and listen to that. It's fine. Uh, or you can listen we'll, to... We'll be here. Yeah, we will be here. When it's you come true. Back. We're, not, we're literally not going anywhere. Uh, or you can listen to how you could help this podcast keep going forward instead of going backward into our episodes. Well, you know how you could help this podcast. How, Jason? By not blowing up. That would Number, be helpful. First and foremost. Number one. <laughs> don't blow up. Don't blow up. It's always a good thing. Number two, you can go to patreon.com slash Jawan. That's P-A-T-R-E-I-O-N dot C-O-M slash J-A-W-I-I-N. You're so white. Try to turn it into it. What? I'm so white. You're white too. Be quiet. <laughs> so, and you know who else is white? Scott, Scott Lang. Lang. And you can learn more about Scott Lang and other people by going to our Patreon and supporting the show. It helps keep the light on. Every dollar that you give comes back to the show. We have a lot of cool uh, perks. $15 gets you a Geek History Lesson mug and some Geek History Lesson uh, tea every six months. Home and blended. $3 gives you a doodle by myself. And also, uh, we are currently running a contest where you can re- uh, you can all listen to the Miles Morales episode till, mm-hmm. till the end of July, I believe. Till August 1st, yes. Till August 1st, you can win a Miles Morales uh, trade paperback and a Miles Morales doodle on top of your regular doodle. There's so many things to do. Patreon.com slash John Every little bit helps. Thank you so much to our patrons that help this podcast keep going forward, not shrinking into the future. <laughs> and uh, there's a, we have, we have, we've had a lot of new patrons. Cool. Recently, and that's hello, new patrons. So, Thank you, new patrons. So awesome. Um, we're also thinking about 
making a Patreon level that is exclusively for people to vote on future episodes. Yes, we are thinking about doing polls. And doing a poll. Or we may just open it up to all our patrons, but you'll have to be a patron to be mm-hmm. able to vote for it. And, and, and we'll have a, a once a month, we'll have a patron episode. And that's uh, one specifically chosen by the patrons. Cool. So patreon.com slash Jawin. And now... Let's go back to the explosion. Back to dead Scott. Scott Lang's dead, and so the episode is over. Yeah, just like it was over about 20 minutes ago, the Mm -hmm. first time he Mm -hmm. was almost dead. Mm -hmm. So during the storyline, the Children's Crusade that I talked about in... Avengers, the Children's Crusade. Young Avengers, the Children's Crusade. Well, I think on the cover it just says the Avengers, though. Doesn't, Shut up. Doesn't it say just the Avengers Children's Crusade? I don't know. I could run out of this room and go find it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down Young Avengers the Children's Crusade. Well, it's their, it's their storyline. Let's just uh, we'll, let's, we'll move forward. That we talked about in the meet cute, the Scarlet Witch and the Young Avengers team, they go back into the past, r- right to this exact moment where things are exploding, and Cassie, the aforementioned daughter of Scott Lang, who is now stature, shrinking, growing, cool you, girl. Well, you learn that she had been stealing pin particles. particles from her dad for years. Yeah. And she really loves her dad, so she sees him right as he, you know, right as things are exploding. She hugs him, and then Wanda pulls all of the Young Avengers and Scott through to the present, effectively retconning his death in that panel and making it so that Scott never died. I, I think it makes it look like, to the outside world, it looks like he did blow up, but he actually zipped yes. through time. Yes, yes. But- you know, we'd been readers had been laboring under the idea that he was dead for some time. Well, exactly, yeah, and basically, him not being dead means the young adventures don't really happen. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, immediately after being brought back to life, back to what we shall call the present for this exact second, Scott is caught up in a battle that immediately ensues due to a misunderstanding between the Young Avengers, the Adult Avengers, the X Men, X Factor, Magneto, and Doctor Doom, and Doctor Doom. It looks like he kills Scott again immediately, and it's one of those like, oh, it was fated to happen, and he was always going to die kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But psych, he actually kills Cassie. Stature. Stature. Mm. One of my favorite characters. And she dies, and so... I'm going to put this out there. I don't like this, and I've never liked it. I, 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 I think Scott Lang should have stayed dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jason, we need a white guy to lead our movie. Mm, I think a blonde girl would be just as powerful. Uh, we're Marvel. We let white guys lead our movie. Oh, shit. I forgot. Sorry, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Throwback to the last episode. <laughs> so Cassie dies in his arms and Scott's whole like deal in life as a comic character uh-huh. is that he's protecting Cassie. Yep. And he fails. Yeah, hardcore. In, in, the, in the most complete way possible, mm-hmm. he fucking fails. You don't fail much more than death. Than your child dying <laughs> in your arms. So that happens. In his very next appearance, Scott joins the new Defenders alongside Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Namor, yep. not Namorita, yep. Red She-Hulk, and Black Cat. That's the Matt Fraction run that ran um, for 12 issues. Yeah, for like a second. It's actually pretty good. And then during All New Marvel Now, which happened a few years ago, uh, Scott stars in the Matt Fraction and Laura and Mike Allred uh, Future Foundation FF book. FF. And um, he, he's he running the Future Foundation. It's I really like this storyline. Mm-hmm. What basically happens is he replaces Reed again as the patriarch of the Baxter building and the organizations that come along with it. Because the fantasy When Four, Sue, Reed, yep, and Ben are lost Sorry. in space. Sorry, Professor. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, during this time, he briefly dates Darla Deering, who is Ms. Thing. She's the girl with the pink mm-hmm. hair who's mm-hmm. in the Thing suit, who was originally Johnny's girlfriend, so it's kind of weird. Um, and he is entirely focused on getting revenge on Doctor Doom, 
um, because he killed Cassie. Yep. And he eventually overwhelms and defeats Doctor Doom for as long as one can defeat Doctor Doom. And then during a storyline called Axis, which the good guys are bad and the bad guys are good. Yep, that's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, good Doom, Happy Doom, resurrects Cassie, mm-hmm. brings her back to life, and Scott picks her up, and they move back to Miami to start a new life. Yay! But she's quite a bit younger now. She is. Okay. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like nine? Yeah. Because I think she was 15, 14 or 15 when she died. Oh, easily 15. Easily. I mean, it's comics, so she looks like she's 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the oldest is Kate, and she's 16. Yeah. So, you know, she's quite young, but, but she's, she's been, even she's, younger. She's been de-aged quite a bit. Yeah, so it's more like the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we get this new Ant-Man series written by Nick, Nick Spencer with art by Ray- Raymond Ramon Rosanas? Rosanas? I'm sorry, I can't speak foreign-sounding names. Um, which basically follows Scott's misadventures, uh, raising Cassie, living in Miami. I'm not going to talk about it. There's only six, is, ish, the book six is issues in, out so set far. in Miami? Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, and but there I like is, any Marvel book that's not set in New York. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about it, just because it's so new, I don't want to spoil a lot of it. Yeah, um, yeah. There is a scene where he's mistaken for being Eric O'Grady. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, which yeah, Eric O'Grady is the third Ant Man. If you don't, if you didn't listen to our review from last week, yeah, um, the irredeemable Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really enjoy that. That's yeah. cool. Somebody calls him Eric. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. No, they like. There's a whole scene where they're like, they're certain that he's Eric. By the way, we've talked about last week. We did the review of irredeemable Ant Man, and and we talked about how we. Th- as far as we were concerned, the guy playing Galaga on the bridge in Avengers One is Eric O'Grady. Yeah. And a lot of our uh, Twitter listeners have um, thumbs up that theory. So yes. we are locking it right now. <laughs> the guy playing Galaga in the bridge on Avengers Number One is Eric, Eric O'Grady. Head cannon accepted. Yep. <laughs> so that ties up my history one hundred and one on Scott Lang. Yay. Yay! We shrunk it and put it to bed. Yes, we did. Shall and we move on to recommended reading? Yes, let's move into recommended reading. Do you want to go first? Um, this is tough for me. Um, I'm sure I could have got some exact issue numbers of Scott Lang stuff, but I think um, the storyline that shows Scott as really good is, of course, the Matt Fraction FF run. It's collected Mm -hmm. in um, two volumes and it has the entire series. Mike Alred art, Laura Alred colors and inks. I think she colors and inks, doesn't she? I believe so. Okay. I know she colors. Um, And he's the head of the school and it shows, it's kind of a neat twist when you see him take the job and you're like, oh, he's just there for the job, the paycheck. He's, and then yeah, He doesn't seem like he's into it. Well, but you kind of seem like you think that that's all there is to the story. Mm-hmm. So when the Doom reveal comes that he's like training the whole school to take down Doom yeah. is a really neat twist. And and my only fault with that series is I wish it had lasted longer. I will agree with that. I wish it was more than 16 issues. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It is genuinely funny. It's really funny. And Scott has probably never been better. I would agree. Than that series. Uh, and I am going to, I was going to recommend that, but Jason took it from me. Sorry. Uh, so I'm going to recommend checking out Young Avengers, The Children's Crusade, because I like it and because it's a really... Or maybe The Avengers, The Children's Crusade. Check Google. <laughs> yeah. Someone tell us on <laughs> Facebook. Uh, and because it's a really beautiful moment for Scott and Scott Lang doesn't get enough beautiful character moments. So I think just for that, it's worth it. 
Nice. Plus, it looks really pretty. Cool. Yeah. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Yay. What's next for this podcast? Discussion. Let us move into discussion. Well, Ashley. Well, Jason. We have a special treat. No way. For the discussion. I'm so surprised. Yes. As we enter the discussion for this Geek History lesson, we thought there was probably, we needed an expert. We're not we needed, experts? We're not experts on this stuff. Oh, we we needed research. a true blood comic book fan. So, you will know this expert as the writer and creator of such comics uh, from Inmus Comics as Nailbiter <gasps> and Birthright <gasps> and Ghosted. And he is writing the upcoming Illuminati series from Marvel. Please welcome Joshua Williamson. Hey, Josh. Hey, man. How you doing? Very good. We had a question for you. We thought you would be the one that could answer, who is the better Ant-Man, Scott Lang or Hank Pym? No pressure. Eric O'Grady. <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> what makes you think that? Um, I don't know. I liked Eric O'Grady because I kind of just liked his uh, horrible attitude. I like characters who are kind of. Am I allowed to cuss on this? I guess I should. Oh, ask. go for it. Yeah. Oh, I like characters who are kind of pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And I've always been sort of attracted to, like, you know, reading about those characters. I've always kind of enjoyed watching these sort of, like, smooth, but also uh, kind of screw-up-y characters. Like, you know, these little, uh... He was sort of this criminal, but also worked for S.H.I.E.L.D., you know? Um, he I've is, always really enjoyed reading that, that book. He is the pure scumbag of all the Ant-Men. Yes. Um, which, is, which is saying something yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny when we were, we were talking about some of this stuff, like, well, you know, do you, when you're evaluating who is the better Ant-Man, you almost have to think about who is the worst Ant-Man first. <laughs> who do you think is the worst Ant-Man, then? Oh, man, I don't know. Eric O'Grady. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, between the two of them, if I had to choose between Scott Lang and Hank Pym, I probably would pick uh, Scott Lang more so because Scott Lang was the Ant-Man when I started reading you know, I started reading Avengers pretty heavily. He was the the Ant Man, so it's always that thing, right? Like whoever is that character when you start reading, that's usually the character you most gravitate toward. You know, like with Legion of Superheroes, whichever uh, version of Legion of Superheroes was around when you started reading comics is kind of the one you think is the best. Same as the Doctor. When yeah, doctor exactly. The doctor. Right? Yeah. Any version of that, it's usually about like where did you start? That's kind of your favorite. Usually, it's really odd that you would start reading something and then be like, "Wow, well, I hate this character. And then you're like, but there were other versions. I like those versions. Like it's, I think it's kind of rare for you to be attracted to something if you don't like whatever is the current thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scott Lang is kind of like that. Um, I don't know, man. I was like, I think that guy had heart. He wasn't as obsessive. Uh, Hank Pym, especially when you think about <clears throat> Hank Pym now, like everything that's happened to him, like not the character he was in the sixties, but the character he has like become over time and all mm-hmm. this sort of topsy turviness of him, it's like, listen, that guy created Ultron. Ultron killed a bunch of people. I think that like automatically <laughs> like eliminates him from like Hero of the Year Award. Um, whereas in Scott Lang, it's just like, I just want to take care of my daughter. 
Well, it's also interesting because Scott Lang is very much a kind of a normal Joe, whereas Hank Pym is very much like the super scientist, just like Reed Richards, just like Tony Stark, I mean, let's just like Bruce Banner. That, that Scott Lang is incredibly intelligent, and that's the reason why he's allowed to be Ant-Man through the good grace. But he wasn't a super Pym. scientist. Is yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, he's not the, uh, the, the scientist supreme of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, but he causes the most destruction. It's yeah. interesting with that guy because he is sort of a weird mix of like – he must have like crazy inferiority complex, right? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, he's hanging out with Reed Richards. He's hanging out with Bruce Banner. He's hanging out with Tony Stark, and it's very clearly like he is the the. <laughs> he's the he weak link. What is them? <laughs> and his whole deal is that he shrinks. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like he's sitting there doing all this stuff. He created. That's what he created. He didn't create armor. He didn't create the Fantastic Four. You know, Reed didn't really create the Fantastic Four, but. Um, you know, he didn't do all those things. He sort of made this these two things. He made these two things, right? You can talk to ants, and you can control your size. Um, the other thing about Hank, the thing about this is that Scott Lang has, as far as I know, and you guys are the geek history lesson people, so maybe you guys can tell me this. Scott Lang has never been any other superhero, right? He's only been Ant-Man. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Hank Pym, if he wanted to be the best Ant-Man, he wouldn't have been Giant-Man. He wouldn't have been Yellowjacket. I understand there's like multiple personalities. Oh, that's a really interesting idea. (laughs) He wouldn't have been Wasp. That's briefly. The Wasp thing I kind of get a little bit, but at the same time, I'm like, really? Um, That's actually one of my favorite Avengers runs, that Mighty Avengers dance slot run where he becomes the Wasp, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I am a big fan of Avengers Forever. Me too. He is Yellowjacket in that, and Mm -hmm. he's a total jerk in that. Yep. Uh, and he's not even aware that he is not, you know, he, that's the whole thing. It's the multiple personality thing at that point. Right. But, uh, I love that book and I liked that one a lot. I liked him as yellow jacket. Well, it's also interesting in that book because Hank Pym as giant man is also in that team. So it's like Hank Pym from like years down the road is watching his younger self be this complete schmuck. (laughs) (laughs) Right. book is so good. That's like, I, I don't want to say it's my favorite Avengers story but it's up there it's really high up there I read that like right after I graduated high school um and it was like one of those things I remember reading the the Kang issue where he basically explains like his history and why he does what he does um and I just remember really liking that but really again I like I like characters who are kind of bad guy characters I'm always interested in that side of things and that's the thing about with the Kang issue with Yellowjacket and that series kind of being a jerk and then back Back around to Eric O'Grady. Now Eric O'Grady is sort of this, you know, piece of crap. And now, you know, he's a, the black ant now. But um, still, but then again, it's like, well, then the, the lone survivor is Scott Lang. He's the only one of the three of them who has gone on to be just Ant-Man. But it's funny that it seems to be a prerequisite that to be Ant-Man, you kind of have to be shady. Because even though Scott is definitely the most noble, like, That's he, a good point. he was in prison. He's not he's not that squeaky clean. Like, you know, the prerequisite to be a bat character is you have to be all tortured and have like dead parents. <laughs> um, and it's like the prerequisite to be an ant person uh, is that you kind of have to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, but he's the, I guess he is sort of again, like his nobler reasons for being Ant-Man. Yeah, he's he, got the best motivation for sure. Yeah, he like he wants to, you know, do things for his daughter. And there's all this stuff about his daughter and having, you know, kind of being a better person. Right. Because he started it looks like to me like he kind of started as this one thing and he's trying to work his way to be a better version of that or be, you know, it's that whole thing that Luke Cage, and I, I talk about this a lot, but Luke Cage, 
said to Jessica Jones in Bendis' Avengers is that you should want to be the best version of yourself. And that is what I think Scott Lang is doing. Like, he knows he was this thing over here. He knows he was kind of a shady person that was in prison, and now he wants to be something better. Whereas in Hank Pym, I think Hank Pym is always conflicted about who he is because part of his motivation for being a hero is to be a hero. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want... I don't think, you know, his, his motivation wasn't, like, to save the world. It was he wanted to be a superhero. He wanted people to think he was smart, so he made things, right? Like, that's his motivation. I don't think his motivation is as pure as, as uh, Scott Lang's. And then Erica Grady wants to be a thief and wants to do bad things, so. And, and sleep, make, make money sleep with women. <laughs> we, we, have a, yeah, we have a theory on this podcast that actually that the guy playing Galaga in Avengers 1 is Erica Grady. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. That would actually like completely fit, and it'd be it would be crazy if that actor like somehow went on to do like other stuff after that, and was like, <laughs> you know, wouldn't that have been nuts if like if after Avengers it ended, that guy got a job on like a CW show or something where he was like a not a lead but a secondary lead but like mm-hmm. a fan favorite lead, right? And that'd be easy. They could just be like, oh, cool, we have Erica Grady now. Yeah, it's sort of. But if it's a CW show, it's probably a DC property. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm fine with that. It's cool. It's crossover, it's multiverse. Right? (laughs) Marvel's got one, too. (laughs) So let me ask you this, Josh. Do you think that it was a smart choice for them to go for Scott Lang as the star of the Ant Man movie instead of Hank Pym? Yes. Okay, why? Exactly what I said. He has the most pure motivation you don't have a story that makes sense he has an arc it's like i started as a criminal i get back i want to help my daughter i want to be there for her and help her with money for her so these are the things i'm going to do right it's a very simple like you know character motivation story arc hank pym's didn't have the same motivations right like his thing was he wanted to be a hero uh in the movie i'm not even sure what his motivation was he was an inventor and then all of a sudden became a spy uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of. They don't, yeah, they don't really tell you. <laughs> to grow a giant goatee. That's his motivation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He drew the, the, the madman goatee. But so it's like, I feel like, I don't know, I think it separated itself from the other movies in that there was a history there. Because all the other movies, it was kind of this thing of, it, it's interesting in the Marvel Universe how there is a history sort of building in the past. Like they're kind of slowly starting to trickle in this stuff because you had the first Captain America movie. Then you had the stuff in Winter Soldier where it was like, oh, well, these are the things that happen in Winter Soldier. And then you have um, Agent Carter, right? So they're really building, they're trying to build this past to where Tony Stark Iron Man wasn't the catalyst of these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think by adding Hank Pym into the mix of that history, it gives them things to play with. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to play with that, how they're going to display that. Because I feel like they're going to have an episode of Agent Carter where like a very young Hank Pym shows up, right? Or who knows? They might. <laughs> they might. That would be really right? cool. If they did like a very, and he'd have to be super young. It'd be like, you know, late teens, early 20s genius. Hank Pym shows up in Agent Carter and is like helping them with stuff, right? Um, I think that there's also some problematic stuff when it comes to Hank that they wanted to avoid. Um, I think we all know what that problematic yeah. stuff yeah, is. So yeah. I, think, I think that there's certain questions they had to look at, look at the history of those characters. And then you look at Scott and you say, this is a guy who has these arcs. He has these things. He is the current Ant-Man. He is. True. Let's go that way. 
current the ant-man to uh current the ant-man to save you know to, to serve our own purposes because we can yeah. brand synergy <laughs> yeah we never know what came first but yeah. um hank is such an interesting odd duck character and how he has bounced around from these things he's he's never really like i don't know you have to think about like so how long was he ant-man consecutively for right like what is the history of him being ant-man before he was giant man how long has scott lang been ant-man consecutively yeah i mean if you think about since like 1979 right yeah that's when he was created yeah since 1979 he's not counting the times that he has been dead he died yeah (laughs) so for the last 35 years more more or less scott lang's been ant-man yeah basically more or less right he wasn't anybody else yeah um i mean it would make sense for him to be the ant-man then right hank pym maybe maybe a couple of years maybe until he became giant man i have no idea yeah but from what what year does ant-man show up 63 or 64 he's a founding avenger so 64 64. all right so 64 to 79 is not 15 15 years years, yeah so there you go you're talking about a 15 year stretch versus 35 I think that's so interesting because I think most people who are not like hardcore comics people still think of Hank Pym as being the penultimate Ant-Man, even though Scott Lang has obviously done a much longer tenure. Not anymore, though. I mean, that's the thing right now. I think with the comics, with the movie, like everyone's going to kind of lean toward it being that. I wonder if there is like one nerd out there that is like angry. You know, he's just like, oh, <laughs> Pym, this is, this is bullshit. Like, I'm, I Where's wonder. my Hank Pym? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's that one Hank Pym fan who's like super pissed right now. Who's so mad that he's not going to be the movie Ant Man? Yeah, <laughs> like he's not going to be on the Avengers. But he was, he was the movie Ant Man. He just wasn't like the lead of that movie. Like we got to see him in action, right? Like it's just he's an old man now. But I would love to see some some more prequel scenes with him and what, the original Wasp. Oh, I totally will. Yeah, yeah. But I find that exciting that it's a story about him. You know, this 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 history there. You know that that he was part of the Marvel universe this whole time. But secretly. Yeah. The joke they were making forever, right? Like everyone kept doing those posts of like, well, Ant-Man was in these scenes. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I really I really wanted that to be a thing for a while. Like secretly he was there the whole time and we just didn't know. Yeah, they, they could totally do that in a flashback in the next movie where he was in some pivotal moment of the movies, like running around or something. Yeah. True. Uh, True. Just, they just did it once. But I think with the movie... And, and, you know, the comics, too, I guess. Scott Lang has the more interesting story between the two of them. Um, you know, we, we think about the things that Hank Pym is is most famous for. We think about his motivation and these different things. And then you look at Scott's, and Scott's whole thing is like, I just want to be a better person and provide for my family. It's like, all right, fine, you win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that is a perfect answer for this discussion. So, Josh, thank you so much for joining us on Geek History Lesson. Can you let us, our listeners know where they can find you on the Internet? You should get me at Twitter at Williamson underscore Josh um, or my website, which is the Williamson.com. And you got a lot of you got a, a couple new Marvel books coming out, I, I believe, too, right? Yeah. Yes, I'm doing. I'm right now. I'm doing the Secret Wars Red Skull book. I did the Battle World number one, and I'm doing Illuminati, which is about the Hood sort of forming a new union, a new, uh, a new better army of villains in the Marvel universe. And it's gonna be kind of a look at what the Marvel villains are doing when they're not getting beat up by the Avengers. And <laughs> Black Ant, Eric O'Grady is a member. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, all right. 
I think you just won all of our listeners over to go buy that book. Everybody should go check out his books. Go check it. Go follow him on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us on Geek History Lesson, Josh. Thanks for having me. Wow. That was a great discussion with Josh. That was maybe our best discussion to date. Probably the best discussion we've ever had on Geek History Lesson. So go check out all this stuff and go help him out and and show him the Ant-Man love on Twitter. Yeah. Share the Geek History Lesson love. Yeah. Okay. So... I believe we have one more section we of this podcast. We do. We have one 140-character section left. Yes, called the Teaching Tweet, where we distill down the lesson into 140 characters. And we need to be more conscious about making sure that we tweet our Because <laughs> we, we, we say them on the show, and, and then we never tweet them. I tweet them when people ask for them. There you uh, go. When Miss Movies asks for them, I always tweet them. There you go. Okay. Ashley, what is your teaching tweet on Scott Lang, Ant-Man number two? Scott Lang. Spoiler alert, not the most fucked up Ant-Man, and that probably says something. Hashtag Ant-Man because it makes a little ant emoji show up. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, what happens if you hashtag anthill? Uh, then Theon Greyjoy standing on top of an <laughs> anthill with his arms in the air shows up. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm Jason Insect Wings Inman. Welcome to your mind university because we are Geek History Lesson, the podcast where you come to learn about pop culture things, objects, colors, and party hats. Colors? Yes, and party hats. Don't forget it. That's the most important part. And today's lesson is about one of the most important women, I think, in the Marvel Universe, a founding Avenger, Ashley, who is this person? Janet Van Dyne, <gasps> a.k.a. the Wasp, a.k.a. the Winsome Wasp. The the what? The Winsome Wasp. Is that, is that, did you make that up? No, that was what she was called for like her first 50 issues. I've never heard that before. Because it was really important that she was pretty. Okay. Well, let's just hop right into this uh, lesson. We've been deep into the Marvel Universe for several weeks now. Yes, let's we not get out of the muck. Let's go deeper into <laughs> it. So let's hear the 10 cent origin of the Wasp, Janet Van Dyne. We are talking about Janet Van Dyne. We right? are. Yes. Uh, but first, we're going to have a little Cliff Note sidebar thing. What? So some people who are more familiar with the Ant-Man movie uh, recently in theaters might wonder why we are not talking about hope. And the reason that we're not... Hey, Ashley, why aren't we talking about Hope? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, Jason. The reason that we're not talking about her is because Hope Pym only shows up in 16 issues, and she belongs on Earth 982, which doesn't have a lot of adventures on it. Janet is where the character in the movie takes a lot of inspiration from. And just for the nerds out there, Marvel, the Marvel Comics universe has a multiverse just like DC, yes. and their Earth is 616. 616. Generally, we don't like to talk about that stuff because it just gets confusing. Yes. But... So she's from a completely different Earth. She's from oh. a completely different Earth. She, she's not from an important Earth, and she doesn't do very much. They so that is why we were talking about So Janet. yeah, so they just took the name. They really did. Okay. So. Janet Van Dyne. Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. Wasp, is a human mutant, which I didn't know. Just like the X-Men, she is a mutant. Really? Yes. Even in the mainstream Marvel, because in the Ultimate, she is a mutant. Yes. Even in the mainstream Marvel, yes. she's a mutant. Yes. Wow, that's cool. She was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and first appeared in Tales to Astonish number 44. Her famous partnerships include Hank Pym and only Hank Pym. Her team affiliations include uh, the regular Avengers, mm. the Avengers Unity Squad, mm. Lady Liberators, Mighty Avengers, and the West Coast Avengers. West Coast Avengers. Dun, dun, dun. Our favorite of all Avengers team I here in Mind University. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of tweets about my theme song lately. I know, because you brought it up in uh, a recent past episode. <laughs> a recent past episode, yes. I don't exactly know how many episodes ago that was because it gets mentioned a lot. Yep. Her abilities include size manipulation, flight, bioelectric blasts, and insect telepathy. 
She was played by an actress named Haley Lovett in Ant-Man, whose face we never got to see. And, and she, we'll probably never see again. Probably. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's worth mentioning. Sure. Um, and she is ranked as the fifth greatest Avenger of all time. According to Marvel.com, she is the highest ranked female Avenger on that list. Well, I think we I think can... Ca- is a we, little bit misogynistic. Uh, yeah, but we can kind of guess who the other ones are. The then. movie ones. Yeah, it's probably Cap, Iron Man, Thor, and probably Ant-Man. Yeah, or Hulk. Yeah, one of those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is your Tencent origin for Janet Van Dyne. Why don't we move on to the Meet Cute? Meet Cute is the section of this podcast that is called Geek History Lesson that you are currently listening to right now, (laughs) where we tell you how we met or where we met this character for the very first time. Yes. Yes. Ashley. Jason. (laughs) Where did you first meet the Wasp, Janet Van Dyne? Um, as with so many Marvel characters who aren't part of the X-Men, the first place that I ever met Janet Van Dyne was in Civil War in 2008. Yay, by um, the Civil, the miniseries by Mark Miller. Yes, and the reason that I say 2008 is because that is the year that I read it. It's not necessarily the year it was published. It came out in uh, 2006 or seven, I believe. Yes, yes. It, it had been out for some time. Not, not, the, too, not too long, point. not too long. No, but I read it in a trade. Okay, whatever. I didn't read it last. Yeah, it so works. That was where I first met her, and then I read The Ultimates not too long after that, and and I've always liked Wasp. I think nice. she's cool. Nice. Where did you first meet Janet Van Dyne or uh, Janet Pym? I first encountered Janet Van Dyne. I don't ever call her Janet Pym. Uh, Janet Van Dyne be- in the Avengers run that was right after Heroes Reborn with George Perez and Kurt Busiek. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite Avengers run. I've talked about it on a Geek History Lesson before. It's She got a new costume for that run. Um, she gets the new costumes all the time. Yep. I remember her showing up in the Avengers mansion and... Cap was like, you should come back to the team, Janet. And she was just like, no, Hank and I are going to go on a honeymoon, but I'll design your team all new costumes. Yep. <laughs> and she kept coming back here and there. And um, But the story where I came to love her is a tie. Okay. It's a tie between Avengers Forever, which is this 12-part miniseries by uh, Kurt Busiek, and she's an integral part of that miniseries. Mm-hmm. And she's really great, and she's almost like the true team leader of the Avengers in that book because just to explain this a little bit and I I try not to get way off topic it's fine totally fine go for it Avengers Forever is a time travel storyline where Kang the Conqueror gathers a team of Avengers from all different timelines. Uh-huh. So there's That's a... why I wasn't going to talk about it because yep. it's kind of complicated. It, it's very complicated. <laughs> but basically he he gathers Avengers from all along uh, uh, the timeline. So he gathers a Hawkeye who's not really wearing his purple costume. Mm-hmm. He gathers a, a Captain America right before Captain America quit in the 70s yep. because of corruption and stuff like that. And then he also gathered like Songbird, which was surprising at that time because Songbird was a Thunderbolt villain and when she showed up everybody was like but she's a villain but see you knew that she was somewhere from the future Mm -hmm. and because of Captain America's unwillingness and kind of he was like I don't know I don't really blah 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 I can't really I don't know if I want to do this anymore because the US government's corrupt and Vietnam and so Wasp had to take charge of the team Mm -hmm. in that series and it's actually one of her strongest moments my second favorite moment for her is the Ultimates I I think in the Ultimates she's great yeah I think the the Ultimates and we're going to talk uh, briefly mm-hmm. about that at the at the end of the history lesson. I think in the Ultimates, she becomes a really uh, well-rounded character, mm-hmm. I guess. So, Kirby's Music Avengers run, uh, Heroes Return run is where I met her. Uh, Avengers Forever is where I loved her. Cool. That sounded creepy. No, she's a grown woman. 
Hey, baby, it's okay. Flap your wings for me anytime. And now we move on <laughs> to the History 101 section, the main meat of the podcast, where Ashley is going to take the lesson of Janet Van Dyne because it's well done. It's been in the oven for a long time. She's mm. going to put it on a platter. She's going to give it to us so we can eat it in small, small pieces and get smarter you might about Janet eat it Van Dyne. In big pieces because it turned out to be a lot longer than I anticipated. Hey, just like the monster <laughs> of the Fantastic Four. All right, here we go. We're, del- we're, we're diving into some very classic Marvel knowledge lately. We like are. It. It's fun. Ashley, give us, Professor Ashley, give us the lesson of Janet Van Dyne. Okay. Janet the Wasp. Van Dyne, the Wasp, was born in Creskill, New Jersey, a real place for those wondering. Okay. She grew up as a socialite daughter to a wealthy scientist father named Vernon Van Dyne. <laughs> uh, Stan Lee and his alliteration. All right. Yeah. Apparently, uh, fun fact, uh, the characters that he gave alliterative names to were mm-hmm. supposed to be his favorite characters, like Warren Worthington, Peter Parker, Scott Son- I just think that's interesting. So he likes Janet's father. Okay. Yeah. Well, sure. Who, Who doesn't like a socialite from New Jersey? Excelsior! Who knows? Uh, in, in her first appearance, Vernon is killed. <gasps> When he unleashes an alien entity during an experiment, because it's the 60s and we like space nonsense. Can I make a, a, I I don't know Janet's origin. Can I make a bold prediction? Uh, sure. Does she swear on the grave of her father to avenge him and then a wasp comes through the window? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) I friggin' wish. Uh, So Vernon at the time had a research partner. Okay. A sciencey, sciencey guy named Hank Pym. Oh, so Hank's older. Yes. Okay. Uh, more on that later. Okay, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Janet turned to Hank, as he was this person who she was familiar with. She's about 19. Sure. Um, she turned to him for aid in avenging her father's death. Mm-hmm. And her plan to do this is because they discover that she has the X gene, that she's going to undergo several surgeries performed, of course, by Hank. In order to be able to grow wings on her back. All right. So she grows wings on her back. Because of the surgeries. Yes. This is why you don't get surgeries, But they kids. only grow when she shrinks below four feet tall. That's a little weird. Okay. Yeah. So she's not walking around in her regular life with these wings on her back. When she gets really wee, she gets these little wings on her back. So no honey, I shrunk the wings. No. Got it. And she uses pin particle injections that allow her to change her size. All right. So at this time, uh, Janet takes on the name Wasp because she's like, well, I'm small and I kind of look like a bee, but I'm going to call myself a wasp. I kind of look like a bee. <laughs> well, so I'll call myself a wasp, <laughs> the enemy of the bees. <laughs> well, um, if you haven't seen the movie Mr. Holmes, uh, wasps are assholes yep. who will kill you. Pretty much. Uh, and bumblebees are sweet and they'll more or less leave you alone. So I kind of understand the name. Wasp sounds a lot more badass. And it I does. think DC had the bumblebee character at the time. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Probably. So, so that. So Wasp and Ant-Man, of course, team up immediately to defeat this alien entity that had killed Janet's father. That's right. And they are so successful, so effortlessly great at working together that they decide to remain working together as a superhero duo. Cool. And during this time, of course, Janet falls in love with Hank. And during during this initial run, she is called the Winsome Wasp. Winsome is like someone who's really kind of beautiful and wayfish because it's the 60s and women are only good for looking pretty. And they drop that adjective pretty fast when she becomes an Avenger. So she falls in love with Hank. That's really, really great. And he spurns her when she admits her feelings because of her young age and because she physically resembles Hank's first wife, who had been murdered. I tried really, really hard. I read some of these early issues. I looked all over the Internet. I can find nothing about this first wife's name, how she died, 
or anything else. She's other. just mentioned and then yeah, away. yeah, yeah. Like that's the reason why Hank is turning Jan down because she's quite young. Well, it's very, it's very interesting what you've told me so far because Hank Pym, I've always kind of viewed him as Reed Richards' contemporary. Right, and I was just going to mention that this yeah. is a lot like uh, Reed and Sue's early yeah. relationship. Yeah, so it's interesting that. So I assume that Hank is maybe in his late twenties. Uh, I would say he's in his thirties. Okay, okay, so because he's a contemporary of her father, mm-hmm. so I would say he's like into his thirties. So technically, maybe older than Reed because Reed has, Reed and Sue has that six year yeah. gap. Wow, it's kind of why. So so we have a a wife that we don't know about. Who who was murdered? Who was murdered? God has a lot of murder, and we're and we're, <laughs> and we're spurning. Man, the insect kingdom is hard. <laughs> <laughs> he is the he's a he's a praying mantis. Okay, he's gonna murder her after cool. they copulate. All right, continue. We, enough of a sidetrack. Yes. So yeah. So they're a lot like Reed and Sue, which is a, kind of an interesting parallel. That well, Stanley was like, here here are some scientists who well, are not good at being in a relationship. Well, another thing about it you have to think about is that Stanley basically created all the main foundation of the Marvel universe within a year. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like the Avengers, Hulk, Thor, Fantastic Four, all popped up within like a year. Mm-hmm. But I just, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So as a duo, Hank and Janet, Ant-Man and Wasp, basically, you know, it's it's the Silver Age. So they have a bunch of one-off adventures that don't really matter. Yay! You know, like like everybody else at the time. During this time, Janet uses um, an air gun in order to shoot her wasp sting because okay. she hasn't mutated to be able to shoot the electrical bolts from, from her, her hand like we, like we know her to do mm-hmm. today. So she uses this tiny little gun. Um, it's silver. It's so, like, precious space age. This is a pseudo phaser kind of thing when cool. they draw it. It's very cute. Uh, but eventually she develops a bioelectric burst. More on that later. Okay. And then <gasps> a character that we know <gasps> that we've done a lesson on <gasps> named Loki. Oh, okay. Threatens the safety of the world. And Janet is part of a group of superheroes that forms in order to take him down and save the world known as the Avengers. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the events of the story, you can go to YouTube.com slash Jawin, J-E-W-I-I-N, and watch a reenactment of it told by Jason. Called The Origin of the Avengers. Yeah, um, It's a great video. And Wasp is played by a piece of paper taped to a pen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I actually really like that joke. Because <laughs> Jason didn't know any women at the time. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. I knew women. Uh, actually, a girl helped us film that. Um, but uh, I just thought it was funnier that they would pop up over the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. It's very <laughs> funny. Uh, fun fact. Fun fact. It is Hank and Janet who propose that these group of heroes remain together as a team. I knew that. And bonus fun fact, Janet, Janet is the one who names, names the Avengers. The Avengers. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool as opposed to just like, this is the Avengers yep. initiative. Yeah. It's also weird too. like, But it makes sense now that I know her origin is that like she had a dead She's parent. A, she likes to get revenge. Yeah, yeah. She, she was like, we must avenge. And so everything with her is avenging. Yeah, I don't. There's no mention of what happens to her mother. So I don't know if her mother is dead or not around or like a drunk. I have an idea. Okay. I have an idea. Pitch me on what happened to Mrs. Van Dyne. Um, You see her father uh, was trying to take apart a missile that was being launched to America (laughs) from the commies. Right. And she had a wasp suit too. And she shrank down and went (laughs) into the the molecules. And she went into what I like to call the microverse, not the quantum verse. The microverse. The microverse. The micro world. Yeah, which is actually what it's called. The microverse, not the quantum verse. It's the microverse. And they're, yeah. But quantum sounds like science. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's why Quantum Leap used it. 
Oh, oh boy. really? Oh boy. Okay, so she named the Avengers, and now they're rare. She's she's a founding Avenger. Yeah. And we're raring to go. So here's my favorite thing about early Janet because I don't really. She's she's very like oh damselly. I'm very pretty. Just like Sue Storm. Just like many many mm-hmm. uh, early comic female characters. But my favorite thing about her is in these early Avengers stories, and they're totally worth checking out. Like for this alone, mm-hmm. is that she constantly comments on the attractiveness of all the men around her, especially Thor. Yep. Like she's so thirsty for Thor. Like is so funny and please never <laughs> never say that statement ever again she's thirsty for thor she is man there's that should that would be a great t-shirt should we make that thirsty for thor that's great <laughs> if you want a thirsty for thor t-shirt you can go to our social media and let us know oh man thirsty for thor huh? <laughs> the less good thing about this is that <laughs> oh, God. is that this is the beginning um of hank's anger and jealousy towards janet oh that asshole uh more on that later there's a lot of more more on that later a lot of this stuff will pay off kind of okay, down okay. the line. All right, all right. Um, cool. A lot of foreshadowing. All these right. uh, these very forward comments that Janet make also forces Hank to decide that he's going to commit and have a relationship with her. And so they start going out mm-hmm. once they're Avengers. They're like, well, we're grown up people now, so you're going to be my boyfriend. Not long after the formation of the Avengers, Janet is shot <gasps> by Count Nefaria. Mm-hmm. So you know he's a bad guy. Yep. Uh, with a bullet, regular old bullet, and she suffers a collapsed lung and quits the Avengers. Because to recover. And that's the end of the lesson on Janet Van Dyne. Yep. Thanks, everybody. 15 minutes. Thanks for playing. <laughs> uh, when Janet returns to the Avengers, of course, in Avengers number 26, she no longer requires pin particles in order to change her size and discovers that she is a mutant and she's able to shoot the bioelectric blast from her hands. That's convenient. So there you go. She comes back. Uh, all She got an upgrade in her brief absence from the Avengers. Yeah, man. If only if only everybody got so upgraded by getting shot. Right. Through the lung. Yeah, through the lung. So she duels around as a member of the Avengers, you know, for basically most of the Silver Age. And she spends a lot of time trying to get Hank to propose to her. Like, there are many, many plots. Kind of like Gwen Stacy... Like, you can go back and listen to our Gwen Stacy episode, and there's a lot of times where she's just like, Peter, you must propose to me. And he's like, I don't know. I'm like 17. Well, you know where that comes from, though, right? No, tell me. It comes from 1950s Lois Lane and Superman. Oh, really? Yes, because a lot of Lois Lane stories in the 50s was her trying to expose his secret identity or trying to convince Superman to marry her. Which I think comes from, like, 1940s romance Mm -hmm, comics. mm -hmm, So that's who I'm going to blame. So Hank Pym... Well, so yellow. There's this character named Yellow Jacket. Okay. Who we all know is Hank Pym. But right now, oh, we, we oh, just. Wait, 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 wait. I thought he was Darren Cross. Uh, Corey stole from House of Cards? I No, he's oh, Hank Pym. Okay. But at the time, he's just Yellow Jacket. Got it. A bad guy named Yellow Jacket. And nobody like knows a, who he is. Like a wasp. Nobody knows who he is. Okay. Very mysterious. Breaks into Avengers Mansion. Holy cow. Claiming that he has killed Hank Pym. No. And he kidnaps Janet Van Dyne. Okay. However, Janet does not believe that Yellow Jacket killed Hank because she would know if her love had died. Of course. And during her investigation, while she's being held by him, she discovers his true identity, Hank Pym. So she marries him. Yeah. See, this is the part of that I've always been bothered by Janet Van Dyne. She doesn't marry nice Hank Pym Ant-Man, she marries crazy violent, crazy bipolar, not that there's anything wrong with bipolar people, I'm sorry, I apologize, I know there's lots of bipolar people, my father's bipolar, um, um, 
Unstable, shall we say unstable? The most unstable mm-hmm. version of this man that she could have ever, that's the one that she agrees to marry. Yes. That's where like the-, the because, because it's that whole, again, like romance, like I can fix you kind of thing, oh. which is kind of Janet's thing for a little bit. Okay. So, so she married, the most she marries thing she marries- Crazy Hank Pym. She marries Crazy Hank Pym. Crazy and Hank Pym. And she spends most of her 70s kind of like Hawkeye, you can go listen to our Hawkeye episode, quitting and rejoining the Avengers. Because that's what you do in the 70s. I, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Oh. So Janet tells the Avengers one day, she calls up Avengers Mansion, and she says that she thinks that Hank has suffered a hello, mental breakdown. Hello, hello, Miss Janet. This is Jarvis. Hi. Um, hello. Hi, hi, Jarvis. <laughs> nice to talk to you again. Yes. Um, did you get that raspberry jam I sent you? Uh, yeah, I put it on crumpets. It was super great. Very but, good. But uh, more importantly, I am 99% sure that Hank has suffered a mental breakdown. Really? Yes. Well, I believe if he had suffered a mental breakdown that my master, Mr. Anthony, that is Iron Man, as you know him, would have been able to figure this out. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm being kidnapped. Click. Hello? Hello? Shall I send you more raspberry jam? Oh, This is a cricket sound effect. My linens need to be changed. Excuse me. (laughs) Always the linens. Um, So in retaliation for her saying this to the Avengers, Hank kidnaps her. (laughs) Okay. Um, And even though he's already married. No, but get this. He kidnaps her and then Ultron kidnaps her and brainwashes her and uses her brain patterns as a template to create Jocasta. Oh, Jocasta, the robot bride of Ultron. Yes. Um, Now, here's the interesting thing. So she was not. Once kidnapped, she was double, double kidnapped, kidnapped while she was already. Oh, God. All right. Yes. And if you, dear listeners, want to avoid any of your wonderful professors getting double kidnapped, one of the ways that you can help upgrade the security at the Mind University is not go to Mexico. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you nailed that segue. Well, you know, but if, when you're in Mexico, which is a fine, fine country. Um, Hello, you, Mexican listeners. You can go to patreon.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N, and you can help donate to keep the lights on in the Mayan University because we have some classrooms where the paint is peeling off the walls. We have some banisters that are made of lead. Don't make fun of the art room. And we have some, uh, uh, um, We I know there's some shady dealings going behind some dumpsters. So we need your support at patreon.com slash Jawin to get rid of the ruffians and, and every little bit helps. And we think all of our patrons that keep the show going. There's a lot of great uh, perks there, so I would go suggest being a part of it over there. Patreon.com slash Jawin. Thank you, patrons. And uh, classes back. What's the the opposite of dismiss? In session. There you go. Classes back in session. Back in session. Uh, So we're up to the 1980s right now. Okay. Or as I like to call them, the domestic abuse era of Janet Van Dyne's life. That's a long title. Yes. <laughs> That's what we'll fixate on the length of that title. Janet discovers that Hank, who's still her husband. Oh, good Lord. Plans to stage. They're, he, they're he, both regular Avengers right he, now. Is he still Yellow Jacket? He's Ant-Man. Oh, he's Ant-Man now. Okay, yes. so he switched he's out of crazy that. Ant-Man. He's crazy Ant-Man. Um, he discovers that Hank has plans to stage an attack to make himself look like a hero in order to save a bunch of people so that he'll look good in front of the Avengers because they're like not so hot on him right now. Oh, good Lord, Hank. What's wrong with you? So when she tries to convince Hank and she can, you know, not to do this and she confronts him with this information, he smacks her across the face. Yes. And this what? happens in an issue called uh, Avengers number 213 by Jim Shooter and Bob Hall. And if you go and look up some information about this issue, Jim Shooter, the writer, is pretty adamant that he just wanted... 
uh, Hank to kind of, you know, push Janet out of his way, kind of shrug her off. And the artist drew it as hidden. And that, yeah, and that Bob Hall, because of the school of like art that he came from, was always taught choose a big dramatic gesture, and that's the reason why it was so violent, Whoa. and why he's like striking her across the face, and that by the time he saw it, there was no time to change it. So I don't know whether that's true or not, but Jim Shooter throws Bob Hall under the bus. And this and this moment is literally what most people remember Hank Pym as. Yes. And funny fun fact, actually, until the movie that just came out a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, um, I think Hank Pym, the movie might be able to erase some of this. Like people, uh, maybe. The consciousness, you know, something like that. The and Ultimates I, doesn't help either. No, but I also think that that's the main reason, this story is the main reason why Hank Pym is not the star of the Ant-Man Why movie. he's a secondary character. Yeah. But so that's a thing that happened. So Janet uh, returns to Avengers Mansion and she joins the team again and Hank is kicked off the team and she is elected as a chairperson. Mm -hmm. And this basically makes her, you know, the head of the Avengers because they decide that there needs to be more checks and balances, more leadership within the Avengers so that something like that couldn't happen again. And it's part of Jan's, I don't know, um, manifesto to increase the number of female Avengers. She recruits the She-Hulk and and Captain Marvel, who was Monica Rambeau at the time. And she's praised by Captain America for her natural leadership and team leading. She is a good leader of the Avengers. She's one of the best. She leads a lot of different Avengers teams, actually. Oh, really? Like what what other ones? Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) It's it's coming down the chute. All right. Outside of her life as an Avenger, Janet also becomes a successful fashion designer, a detail that has followed her through to the modern era. And so not only does she do kind of the casual thing, but that's why, and we made the joke at the top of the show that her costume changes so much. Her costume changes all the time. I know. And she has, I always think that like 1980s onward, Janet has one of the coolest costumes. Which one? The black and yellow one? Yeah, the black and gold, I think is like just a really beautiful, subtle. Do you like it with the skirt or without the skirt? Uh, I could go either way. I I don't think the skirt is practical, but Mm -hmm. I think it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why she gets to design everybody else's new costumes for the action figures. Mm -hmm. She briefly dates Tony Stark, like for an issue. Yep. Um, until she discovers that he's Iron Man, because at the time their identities are separate. At the time, Iron Man, uh, that's why there was the joke in Iron Man 1. Iron Man at the time, his secret identity was that Iron Man was his bodyguard. Yes. And nobody knew that Tony Stark, Tony Stark, knowing that Tony Stark was Iron Man was a thing that didn't happen until the early 2000s. Yeah. It was kind of the Bruce Wayne Batman thing. They were so different that there's like no way that you could have considered that one, you know, that yeah, they no, were the same person. Nobody would have thought that Tony Stark would be masquerading as his employee. Yes. So then Secret Wars happens. Secret Wars. Marvel's original Secret Wars. You can go back and listen to our episode on that. Uh, Janet is not so great in Secret Wars. She kisses Magneto in order to learn his plans, and that's that's basically it. Yep. And Secret Wars, of course, is where they st- the Beyonder, this entity, steals all the Marvel heroes, takes them to the Beyonder's planet, and is like, fight! Like Mortal Kombat, and then eventually they go back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, again, as Ashley stated, we did a big review of it. Yes, we did. More on that in that episode. Yay! So toward the end of the 80s, Janet joins the West Coast Avengers. West Coast Avengers! Bow, bow, bow! And Does she have a Thunderbird? Sure. Okay. And is not only their founding member, but she's also the original leader of the team. She is their founding member? She's responsible for the theme song. (laughs) Hear that, kids? Go blame Janet. During this time, Janet renews her romantic relationship with Hank Pym. Oh. um, And ultimately becomes a reserve member of the West Coast Avengers, stepping down from the position of leadership. West Coast Reserve Avenger. (laughs) (laughs) You got some real, like, sleazy trombone going on there. 
During the 90s, Janet returns <laughs> to the Avengers proper. Okay. First as a reserve member and then as a full-fledged member. She eventually becomes the leader of the Avengers again. Yep. And accidentally sets off the Avengers disassembled storyline. Which we've talked oh, about. Oh, we took a, quite a to leap. De- yes. we, we leaped over the, the entirety of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to explain Avengers forever because it was a lot of time travel stuff and uh-huh. it would have involved explaining a lot of secondary stuff that I, I don't think is important to Well, her. real quick, of course, in the 90s uh, was the big onslaught uh, um, mm-hmm. scandal, Shemegi, where all the, the heroes got taken to an alternate universe. Um, Janet was in it. But again, she's not a big part of it. Not a big part of it. When they come back, uh, her and Hank are reserve members mm-hmm. in the Kurt Music and uh, George Perez run. She shows up in Ultron Unlimited, which we mm-hmm. also did a review of, which is in the past. Um, go listen to the episode. It's actually a really quite a good episode. Quite a great storyline, too. And she has a great moment in it. And then she's an integral part of Avengers Forever. But Avengers Forever, if you don't know a lot about Avengers continuity, is a tough read. Yeah. It's tough for me. And I know a lot about the Avengers. <laughs> So it's because Kurt Music, the guy who wrote it, is just an he's Avengers a, a fanboy. knowledge bomb. Yeah. Like he knows everything. He's a smart dude. So okay, we're we're in Avengers Dissemble. We're in the early two thousands. Holy uh, crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why we skipped over all the night. How did she set it off? So what happens is she gets a little tipsy. She has some drinks. Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alerts, superheroes drink. That doesn't make sense. Um, Some of them are alcoholics. Janet is not. All right, all right, all right. And she talks about a past pregnancy scare that she has and goes on to insult the Scarlet Witch's ability as a mother. Oh, Bendis. Referring to the twins. And then Scarlet Witch goes crazy. And basically destroys the Avengers. And explodes Avengers. And kills Scott Lang. Yes, which you can go back and listen to in our Scott Lang episode. (laughs) Man, we have a lot of callbacks in this one. I know. Well, that's what happens. We've done a lot of Avengers. This is what happens when our podcast has the continuity of the Marvel Universe. F, yeah. That's also Mm -hmm. what happens when you're in your, like, 70s of episode When you're in your 70s, as an episode number is not H. Uh, sure. <laughs> also during her tenure as leader of the Avengers this time around, Janet has a fling with Hawkeye. Yep. Um and gets even more gets the number of female team members to outnumber the men. Now for like a second. Now is this before I think the the romance with Hawkeye is earlier than it's this. It's slightly before Because Hawkeye's killed in Avengers Assemble. Yes. And he's gone. But again, for like it doesn't. Two years. It doesn't last very long because she's like, "Well, it's a fling, and okay, I'm okay. with mm-hmm. Hank." But I just thought it was it was worth yeah, mentioning okay, okay. that they mm-hmm. kissed once. Yep, they do. Hank proposes to Janet following Avengers Disassembled, and she turns him down, vowing to never marry him again. Okay. That happens. All right. Sure. Um, however, she and Hank quickly reconcile. And retire from superheroing and move to Oxford in Great Britain. Yay! I don't know why it's Oxford. I guess because it's like, you know, Oxford University and Hank's a smart guy. But it's really important that they move to Oxford. He got a teaching gig over there. It's all good. I don't, I don't maybe. During uh, the Civil War storyline that we talked about at the top of the show. Uh-huh. Where basically uh, something happens and the government's like, we need people to register. And Tony's like, yeah. And Captain America's like, no. And then it splits everybody and they fight. Yep. And there's a movie coming out in April. Yay. Um, I totally lost my spot. There it is. Sorry. Uh, Janet is once more, she's a regular Avenger. And mm-hmm. she is pro-registration because her identity has always been public. Yeah. Which is a little bit hypocritical. Uh, yes. Um, but she hosts a pro-registration reality TV show called America's Newest Superhero. Oh, good lord. So, like, whenever somebody comes out, they're on her show. It's a very minor plot line. Bop, 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 bop. But I think it's an interesting um, kind of carry-on because Janet's one of the only characters who has kind of a functioning 
um, outside career that's not like I'm a scientist. Yep. You know, and, and so this is like more she's more in touch with popular culture and what's going on. And I think it's interesting that she becomes this talk show host. Or reality I show don't host. remember that at all. That's interesting. It's literally like two panels. Like oh. you see like footage of her. Oh, that's hosting. it. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It's cool, very cool. minor. Oh, I figured it would have been like a miniseries or something. Like that. No, 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 no. Can no. it be a miniseries? Let's make this yes. happen, Marvel. Uh, Marvel, you can call us. I know you're listening. Bop, 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 bop. Jason, can you tell us a little bit about the initiative? Well, Ashley. After the Civil War, Captain America got his ass handed to him, basically because he gave up. He died. Uh, no, he gave up. Uh, he died after that, actually. Um, the Civil War was over by that point. Sorry to out nerd you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the initiative was this idea that was started that instead of having all the superhero teams based in New York, which is kind of ridiculous, uh, the idea was that the Avengers would spread out between all the 50 states. Each state would have its own superhero team. Mm -hmm. And the initiative was the initiative to do that, the 50 state initiative, and also to make sure that all new superheroes were trained. Yes. Properly trained. Yep. Uh, Janet is a member of a team called the Mighty Avengers. That's also the title of the book. Uh-huh. Uh, led by Carol Danvers and Tony Stark. Yep. And she determines during this run that Ultron has taken over Iron Man's body. Oh, I remember this yes. one. Oh. <laughs> and discovers that Hank Pym is a scroll imposter. Yep, because uh, this was the big this was the big lead up to, to the story of Secret, Secret Invasion. Invasion. Basically, the thing about Secret Invasion is that you learn that a bunch of characters that you thought were regular Marvel characters were scrolls. Yep, and and a bunch of characters that you thought were, have been dead since the seventies have been on the scroll planet as prisoners for years. Yes, and the reason that she discovered um, Hank Pym's identity is because. Um, Scroll Hank Pym poisons her and Janet becomes a bio bomb. Yes. And she's going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then she's going to explode. And in order to prevent her from killing, you know, thousands, hundreds well, of people. Yeah. Well, real quick, the, the bio bomb that is actually a neat story point. What it is, is that he, he gives her in Mighty Avengers. Mm -hmm. and, and this is in Mighty Avengers number one. He gives her an injection and that injection allows her to grow to giant man size. Yes, because so, previously she can only shrink. Yeah, so you and but then you find out that after he's a scroll that that injection is the bio bomb so that like she'll grow so big that she'll just explode the planet. In yes. So what happens is Thor sent, using Mjolnir sends Janet through space. Um, and she explodes. Fare thee well, fair Janet. Um, and Hank Pym, regular Hank Pym, feels so bad about this that he becomes Wasp for like a minute. Yes, he becomes the Wasp in the Dan Slott Mighty Avengers run, which, by the way, if you want to read an Avengers run that's kind of like Justice League International, which by, by I mean by that is it's a team made of like weird characters. I got a bunch of young Avengers and it's on the fun. team. Jarvis is a member of the team. Yeah. And um, it's just fun and weird. Amadeus Cho is on there. It's really great. It's probably one of my favorite Avengers Yes, runs. and you don't need to know anything, anything anything about the Avengers. All you need to know is that Janet died and Hank has taken over. And I think it's 20 issues, I think, or something like 15. Y yeah. It's really short. It's, it's 25, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it, it, it's a fun run. It's great. It's probably the first one that I read on Comixology. And, and, and Hank is the Wasp. Yes, Hank is the Wasp. So then we're going to skip forward, and I'm going to hit my mic, Yay. to an event called Avengers vs. X-Men. Avengers. AVX. Um, Avengers vs. X-Men. Basically, all you need to know about that is in the title. Yep. And the part that we're going to fixate on is during this run, it is revealed that Janet is not, in fact, dead. <laughs> because comics. And that when Thor sent her out into space, he sent her to the microverse. <gasps> you mean the quantum realm? I mean the microverse. You mean the quantum realm? The micronauts. <laughs> And so she's, you know, she's there and she didn't explode and she uses her Avengers communicator card. I'm not even kidding. 
she's like pulls it out and she's like, oh fuck, I've been floating here for a long time. I could have called home. <laughs> oh fuck, oh shit. <laughs> and she she just calls for help. It's like when you lose your glasses on top of your top of your head, guys, right? <laughs> and oh. uh, Hank Pym, who's giant man uh, at this time, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man, four dudes go into the microverse to rescue her. Mm-hmm. So she was on hiatus from being an Avenger for a little bit because she's like, oh, I need to like recover from being in the microverse. It was a lot. I was just floating for got, so long. I got tired of talking to this dude <laughs> called Rom. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wish. <laughs> um, and then she joins the Avengers Unity Squad. Yep. In Uncanny Avengers written by Rick Remender. Yes. Which is a, a pretty good little run. It's actually a fun run. Yeah. She also is the uh, privately funds this team in order to kind of avoid dealing with government funds and subsidies. That's an important and, thing to and, know. And the Unity Squad two is the squad set up by Captain America after Avengers vs. X-Men where the idea is that it's half mutants, half Avengers Yes, and so it can like make relations better. Yeah, because they just had this whole big Avengers vs. X-Men thing where they fought mm-hmm. and it was bad and blah blah blah. Symbol of hope. Great power, great responsibility. Comics. During Inhumanity, um, which is a run about the Inhumans, um, it, it, which is actually a run because Avengers versus X, and we got to set this up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know a ton about Inhumanity. Well, so Inhumanity please. is directly comes out of a plot point in Avengers versus X Men. In Avengers versus X Men, uh, no, Inhumanity. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm getting the events mixed up. Inhumanity comes from an event in Infinity. Now, Infinity right. is this Jonathan Hickman Avengers run. Basically, the Avengers fight a bunch of aliens in space, and the aliens claim they created it. Just it's complicated. Don't worry about it. I, I'm trying uh, to like skirt this. Yep. Space stuff. And Thanos comes to Earth, and Thanos comes to Adelin, the city of the Inhumans, yes. to Black Bolt, and is like, "Yo, you got something I want. You got my child, who you've been hiding here on Earth. Tell me where he's at." And Black Bolt basically flips him the bird and blows up Adeline and blows up the Terran mist mm-hmm. that's spread throughout Earth. And this Terran mist get in contact with humans who get superpowers like Kamala Khan, like the new Miss Marvel, and other people. So Inhumanity is about meeting all the new humans. It's ba- about the retcon because we can't have mutants. Exactly. It's about the, medcon, or the retcon that Marvel Studios doesn't have mutants. So Marvel Studios is like, we need mutants. Ah, uh, Inhumans. Yeah. So during that whole time, Janet returns to the microverse in order to save a family that's been stuck there. That's really all she does. But the important thing is that she she's never willingly gone into the microverse before so that she's doing this. You know, she's learning and she's becoming braver. It's, you know, kind of a big act. And, and there's a cameo from Rom. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Oh, good. Um, and that's where we're going to stop. That's the last time we saw her? Well, she's in Secret Wars, but she's in a bunch of books in Secret Wars, and it's all very minor, and it's a lot of nonsense. Mm-hmm. So that's the last big thing that she did. Great. And we're going to talk real briefly about Ultimate Wasp. Okay. Because we've talked a lot about Ultimate Wasp. And to be honest, we'll probably have a giant... I think we, 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 we've been... A retrospective. We've been talking about having an Ultimate Universe retrospective to kind of go about all the things. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's still like... I still think there's there's a lesson to be had out of the Ultimates, and I still think there's a lesson to be had out of Ultimate Nick Fury. And Ultimate FF? Uh, maybe not, but there definitely is enough to do an Ultimate Spider-Man. That's not Miles Morales. The, the Ultimate oh, Peter, Peter Parker. Parker? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I would do that. There's more than enough. Um, So the... The Ultimate Universe, for those who don't know, is basically a reimagining of the classic Marvel characters. It was. It was the the basic idea is that it was created in the year two thousand, mm-hmm. and it was Joe Quesada was like, "What if these Marvel characters were created in the year 2000? So it's a it's a it's a it's re- an updated. It's a reimagining, and a lot of the Marvel Studios movies take from the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, if, if only aesthetically sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this universe, Janet Van Dyne, same name, is mm-hmm. twenty six years old. 
She's of Asian descent. She has two PhDs, one in molecular biology, one in something else that's never mentioned. Um, she is known to be a mutant, but she's hiding her identity. Uh-huh. She possesses insectoid genetics. Yeah. And that's the reason why she's a mutant. She'll do weird things like... They hit it a lot of like lay egg. Yeah, she like lay it's eggs. really, yeah. it's really like, really gross. It's not explicit. It's 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 gross, but the, the thing that I appreciate about it is that if, I think if you were an insectoid mutant, you yeah. would probably do that. I know, but it's like... I know it's gross. It, like the rest of her character is so interesting that when I stop and think about that, I'm just like, oh, fuck. Mm. And her wings stop. are real. Yes, they are. And they're not just when she shrinks. Mm-hmm. She also suffers from bulimia. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a later edition. It's not It's not in the first two volumes. Are, or, are you going to tell about the ultimate fate of ultimate Janet Van Dyne? Um, I'm going to say what Hank Pym does to her. Oh, good God. Yeah. Um. So remember before when we talked about how, uh, how Hank Pym hit her? And we weren't a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Ultimates run, because, you know, like you said, it, it was created for the year 2000. So there is more violence than obviously in the earlier Silver Age stuff, like the Hulk eats people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hank and Janet have a fight. And Janet, you know, they're they're physically fighting with each other. And Janet's a it's match It's a pretty for him. intense fight. She And she shrinks down to wasp size and she's shooting him with her little bio stings. And he takes a can of bug spray and chases her into the walls of his house and and almost kills her. And she's stuck there. And I think that's another reason why, you know, people don't have, like, the best feelings about Hank Pym. But the thing that I really like about Ultimate Wasp is that not only is she not a white person, like, that's cool, and she's Asian, and why not? But she is an intellectual match for Hank Pym. Mm-hmm. Because class of Wasp, class of Janet, for all that I love her, you know, it's kind of like Sue Storm. Like, they're smart characters, but they're not, they're never the equal of their men. Mm-hmm. And in this universe, she is. She's super smart. She can stand with Hank. She can stand with Tony Stark. That's what I really like about it. Well, her. let me real quick tell the the listeners out there and you, if you don't know, that Janet Van Dyne, ultimate Janet Van Dyne, sadly ends up in one of the worst moments in one of the worst yeah. comic books ever written. So the Ultimate Universe got to this point where they kept trying to reboot it so many times and they did this storyline called Ultimatum mm. written by Jeff Loeb. And you're like, wait a minute, Jeff Loeb wrote Batman The Long Halloween. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. Uh, because now Jeff Loeb can't write at all. Yeah. So, he wrote this event called Ultimatum, where basically a tidal wave took out New York. Now, during the flood in New York City, in the beginning of the Ultimatum event, Wasp was separated from her team and was found by Hank Pym and Hawkeye that she was dead and being eaten by the blob. Yeah. So the blob just ate her for no reason. They never Because they explained. didn't want to write her anymore. Yep. And Hank Pym avenged her death by biting off the blob's head. Yeah. One of the worst moments, one of the worst comic books. To one of the best characters in that universe. Yes. Janet, ultimate Janet. Um, and, and if they introduce Janet Van Dyne into the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe, I actually really hope they make her Asian. I do too. Um, and it's funny because it's such a minor detail, but it makes the character so much more interesting. Yeah, and it, and it actually puts a non-white person on the Avengers. I know, like how nice to have some representation. Yeah, right? So th- that's the end. That is the History 101 of Janet Van Dyne. Um, I had a super fun time learning all this, and I have a bunch of runs I want to go read now. Super fun time. So I hope that you learned something, Jason. I hope the listeners enjoyed I this. I learned some things. Because About all the murder and the avenging. I know, so many murders. <laughs> so why don't we move into recommended reading really yes, quick. Yes, the recommended reading. 
this where is we where, recommend reading. This is where you recommend stuff you should read if you want to. You care about the. Wasp. I just always assume that you have a little pitch for it, and I'm like, oh, but it's right there in the name. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's my fault. <laughs> um, so I am going to. Uh, I'm going to recommend the Init- initiative Mighty Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis and Dan Slott. Okay. With art by Frank Cho, Mark Bagley, and Kai. Fam. Just the whole run. Just all of it. Got it. It's really, I think she's solid in all of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to recommend Ultimates Volume 1 and 2, Just Stop After That, mm-hmm. by Mark Miller and Brian Hitch. They're complete. They have an entity. Totally. Entity. Yep. Uh, do you have any recommended reading? I or? have recommended watching. What? Now. This is not a new media class, my friend. Um, well, there have been, um, there was a decent, very excellent Avengers cartoon on a couple years ago, and I have talked about it several times. Not Avengers Assemble, which is on now. That cartoon is garbage. A couple years ago, there was a cartoon called Avengers Earth's Mightiest Hero, and it kind of mishmashed all these really cool storylines from mm-hmm. the comics. So Secret Invasion's in there, Civil War is in there, Galactus is in there. It's available on Netflix. And Wasp, it's all available on Netflix, and Wasp is the founding member of the team. And she's in there, and Hank and her aren't dating, mm-hmm. and actually a lot of the strife is between her and Hank because she has a hardcore crush on Hank in that series. And she's very kind of energetic, and and she's probably the character that has the biggest character arc. Oh, yeah? One, her costume in there is, is it's great. It's awesome. It's really cool. She has a great personality. You might get annoyed by it, but as the series progresses, like, so she starts out very innocent and naive, but as the series progresses, she becomes, like, a true hero. I would say their arc is a lot like Starfire's in the original Teen Titans cartoon. Like, at sure. the beginning, you're like, you're so, like, naive, and you're so yes. sweet, and then by the end of it, they can, she can stand on her own two feet. Yes, and, and Janet can be very annoying in some of the early episodes, because mm-hmm. she's kind of in it for fun, and she does a lot of things where, like, like, let's go shopping, Hank. And they're just like, but it's a kid's cartoon. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it's actually quite good. And I, it actually is my favorite representation of Wasp is Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Shall we move into discussion? She's cute as a button in it, too. She's usually, Janet's usually very cute. Mm-hmm. Let's move into the discussion area of the podcast where we discuss things. Yes. So I'm going to ask you something that you asked me at the beginning of the show. Uh, do you think that she is one of the most important Avengers characters? Do you think she's higher than top five? Um, I have to say yes, but with a caveat. Sure. You can have caveats. It's your opinion. I say yes, but I kind of feel that it's a yes because she's the token woman. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel it's yes because she was there at the beginning. The sad thing about it, and you you illustrated in this podcast, is that there's a lot of times where Janet just does nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the problem we, we found with Scarlet Witch and stuff like that. Like, Janet really doesn't come into her own until she leads the team. Mm-hmm. And for, like, 20 years, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Here's the thing. I actually think the greatest Wasp story is still ahead of us. I don't think we've come across it. I hope... Maybe one day I can write it. I hope maybe one day you can write it. I hope maybe one day one of the listeners of this podcast can write it. And I will read the shit out of it. And I look forward to that day. Have we, have I read the greatest Wasp story of t- line of all time? I actually think no. And, and I kind of think that's sad. But would you rather have seen her in the movie universe than Black Widow? Yes. Because I would too. Hardcore yes. Because Black Widow to me is... Man... I get the reason why they put the Black Widow, because the Black Widow is easier to believe in reality, whereas mm-hmm. the Wasp is harder. 
I kind of think it sucks that we haven't seen the Wasp and the Avengers because she is a founding Avenger. And it's a little nitpick of the Marvel Universe that we haven't, that two of the founding members of the Avengers got X'd off. Yeah. And we've, and one of them has, is now old man Michael Douglas. And number two is stuck in a quantum realm somewhere. That, yeah, that a dude got back from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Like, I think she should have been on the team instead of Black Widow. Yes, hardcore, yes. You think she should be Asian in the MCU? Oh, totally. Totally. I wish she was Asian in the normal Marvel comic book universe. I wish that... Just totally wrecked Yeah, Secret Wars, just change it. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) There are too many whiteies in the Marvel universe. Come on There's There's a lot. And a little... Every little helps. Mm. So, if we got to see her in the MCU, would you want to see her lead an Avengers team? Uh, Yes. I mean, it'll be in phase 57, but... I think she should lead an Avengers team. I think Hawkeye should be her second uh, in command. And I think they should operate on a base that's on Manhattan Beach so we can call it West Coast Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) And then they can shoot it out here because they shoot them all out here anyway. (laughs) And it's just her and Hawkeye and an El Camino looking for criminals. That's awesome. And Kate Bishop's Bishop's just on the back. (laughs) I would watch the fuck out of that. It's like like really skeevy, weird Rockford superhero files. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That'd be an amazing Netflix series as well. Uh, Well, I was going to ask, my final question was going to be like, who do you think would write a really great Wasp miniseries? But Do you have a choice? You said everyone. Uh, I lean towards Greg Pak. Okay. Because he writes good ladies, standalone ladies. He does write good ladies. His Lana Lang in Action Comics is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then have Nicholas Scott draw her because Nicholas Scott draws really pretty people. (laughs) You know who I would love to get a chance at the Wasp? And I kind of think he probably never will. Because I think he's so far in the independent world now that he'll never do it. Mm-hmm. I think somebody who would give an amazing uh, story for the Wasp and maybe possibly do a story kind of retconning some stuff from the past yeah. would be Brian K. Vaughn. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say Music. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, music had a shot at the Wasp and he he wrote her very classical. and But but still, he, he did a great job with her. He did. He totally uh, did. Um, but he's still, he's very classic. Brian, the reason why I say Brian K. Vaughn is because Brian K. Vaughn wrote what I consider to be the best Doctor Strange story of all time, which is Doctor Strange the Oath. Mm-hmm. And it was this really great miniseries drawn by Marcus Martin. You should go find this trade. It's amazing. Still in print? I know this is a recommended reading for Doctor Strange, but, but anyways, he took Doctor Strange put him in a modern storyline but still like kept all the 60s elements all the cool stuff yeah so the cool stuff so I think he could do it for Janet as well and maybe retcon some of her stupidness out of her history interesting and also he's shown in Saga and in many Why the Last Man that he can write strong women characters also strong women with wings because oh. Alana's got wings. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> you know what? I'd say I'd say Brian K. Vaughn. I would love to see it, but I think he's so far down the road of independent comics that he'll never come. He's back making to so much money with Saga. So yep, totally. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the end of my discussion. Unless you have anything that you want to add. Um, I'm surprised that you want to read Wasp stuff now. I do. I just. What do you most? What do you want to check out the most? Um, probably some of that or Mighty Avengers stuff because mm-hmm. I have never read it. Uh, manage your expectations. That's all I'll say because I have I've read it. That there was that was during the time where I literally was reading everything Avengers, mm-hmm. and that was actually the run that knocked me out. Of oh, it. really? Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I feel like I'm looking yeah for that great run, and maybe it doesn't exist. I, I to be honest with you, I like Janet Van Dyne. I I miss that she's not in the movies. I I cannot name you the Wasp run that she's great. To be honest with you. 
I honestly think she's the best in Avengers Forever. But that is not a... Well, I haven't read Avengers Forever, but so maybe I'll read that. That's a run that I would only recommend reading if you have lightning-fast Wikipedia internet speed <laughs> right next to you. Okay. It's tough. It's a tough read. Well, if I know that going in, maybe it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, like I, I want something more than what I've already had. Yeah, and that's and that's our our um, our gauntlet. That's our challenge to anybody out there that wants to work in comic books. Figure out what is the great Janet Van Dyne story because I want to read it. Because it's there. Because it's out there. It can happen. Who's going to write it? Cool. It's there for the taking. And I challenge all of you to do it. Even us in the room, you and me doing this right now. Challenge accepted. Yep. Cool. Let's move on to the final part of this podcast. Oh, the teaching tweet where we take 140 characters to tell you what we think about this character and sometimes we'll put it on Twitter and sometimes we won't. Yeah, mostly we won't. (laughs) (laughs) So here's my teaching tweet. For Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. Janet Van Dyne, taking blows from every side, shrinking down to the size of a fly. Look out. She's an underrated Avenger. Look out, she's an underrated Avenger. I tried to put it in that song. Yeah. Uh, everybody, we just got five comments where people are like, oh, God, he's singing again. <laughs> well, too bad because we have five more like comments Thank that you. like you singing. Thank you so much for your Janet Van Dyne 1960s retro style, insectoid style. Janet Van Dyne lesson. Thank you all for listening. That's it for the Janet Van Dyne lesson of Geek History Lesson. If you want to listen to more goodness, because we dropped a lot of Geek History Lesson, like, go listen to that. Go listen to that. You can find all those episodes (laughs) on iTunes. You can find all those episodes on Stitcher. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. Now, I know a lot of you are like, hey, he says please leave us a rating and review in every podcast. But seriously, it It helps. It helps so much. And I read all of them. I do. And sometimes they help my self-esteem and sometimes I come home a sad panda. So they make a difference. And, you know, positive or negative, either way, it helps. But it does help our rankings in the searches for iTunes and Stitcher. So other people that are like, I want something geek, they can find us. And we need to get the all we need to fill up the classroom. The classroom needs to be full of geeks. Yeah, we need to move to a bigger classroom. Yep. And if you want to suggest lessons uh, for the future of Geek History Lesson or tell us what you think would be the perfect Janet Van Dyne story, Ashley, where can they do that? They can do that on Facebook.com slash Geek History Lesson and GeekHistoryLesson.com, which is a Tumblr, so our asks are always open. You know, in the Facebook.com slash Geek History Lesson, I've noticed a lot more people like posting on our wall Mm -hmm. and just giving us comments, and that's super cool. It's awesome. I read them all, too. I read all the comments. I do. So it's very... Totally, totally, uh, please go there and respond. And if you want to complain to Ashley that you think she didn't shrink down and do a good enough job, well, that's too mean. Don't do that. But if you want to tell her that you did a, she did a good job, you should go do that on her Twitter, which is... At Ashley V. Robinson. Yes. That's all I have to say about it. Yes. <laughs> go do and that. if you want to go tell Jason that you think his singing is the best thing in the world, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N, on YouTube.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. Redshirt Diaries is coming. You should go check it out. And also you can find me on Periscope. Uh, J- find me on Periscope, too. J-A-W-I-I-N. Well, you didn't bring it up. You, I didn't know. You can plug whatever you want. You want to plug your Periscope? No. 
Okay, <laughs> moving on. That's it for Geek History Lesson about Janet Van Dyne. Thank you all for listening. I'm Jason. I'm going to change my costume as soon as this podcast is over. Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. And Professor Ashley, this was your insectoid lesson. So mm. please, insectoid-like, close it out. Class is dismissed. So what's your favorite Janet Van Dyne costume? The the I like the black and gold, but I also have a soft spot for her very first costume, like the silly uh, red dress with the pointy silver hat. With a weird pointy silver hat. Yeah. yeah right? And like I get it's supposed to look like a stinger, and I know it's like totally- It's kind of looks like a bullet. And it's totally stupid, but I really like it. Do you think Janet could climb onto a bullet and a gun and be fired at somebody? Uh, it would depend because, cause, you know, I mean, you know, um, but I don't know if Because <laughs> I use know. guns all the time. No, but because we've, we've discussed mm-hmm. the way that you fire a bullet before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a controlled explosion, so I don't know if the heat and the fire oh. would be an issue, where it's like you know, the Hawkeye a, arrow thing. But she was in the front of it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. So, but she have to drop down on the bullet at she just the right for, time. She need a force field then. Yeah. Oh. Or, or a special suit made of special science. Got it. Special science. All right, so let's let's get back to this uh, West Coast Avengers with the Rockford Files. Um, so we got we got Janet, we got Hawkeye, and we got Kate Bishop in the back of an El Camino. What's episode one called? What do you call? What do you title the pilot of West Coast Avengers? Pilot? No, 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 no. That's what you call we're, shows. We're gonna be fancier than that. <laughs> What's the pilot called? Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. How about how about? Tiny Justice. Tiny, ooh, Tiny Justice. And then Kate can shoot her off the back of an arrow. I like Tiny Justice, yeah. Episode two will be Confrontation at the Creek. There's no creeks in LA. Oh, you just... There's no water here. It's a ditch aquifer. What? The creek. I don't know what that means. You know what it means? It means it's time for West Coast (laughs) Evangel. Are you tired of that yet? No. I love every minute of it. I know.